show. It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing is all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck Show starts in three, two, one. Hey, gang, West Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, November 17th, 2021. Guys, I am so excited to have you here today. It's, uh, it's always exciting. Every Wednesday, we get fired up. We all get, uh, get revved up. But after Pomona, after the NHRA Finals, with this star-studded lineup, I mean, somebody pinch me. Is this even a real possibility to, to kind of, I don't know, to be someone who grew up going to the drag races, right? Work spraying water in the water box, has done all these things, and to be coming to you live today to talk to people like Ron Caps, to talk to people like Steve Torrance, Matt Smith, Greg Anderson, some of the best to ever do it, to be here doing it live on the World Wide Web with all of you, I mean, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even. It's going to be, dare I say it, hand to God, a barn burner. This is going to be an absolute fantastic episode of the show. And I, I got to say, I say it every week, but I'm never, ever going to stop. As awesome as it is to have all those people we just talked about on the show, as awesome as it is to have some of the best racers ever to do it, ever to sit inside a race car on this show and present them to you to give them this platform, the most important people, the most important part of this whole deal, it's you. It's all of you guys. It really is. To have all of you join us every Wednesday around Drag Racing's water cooler to talk shop, it's, it's the craziest feeling in the world, and I can't thank you all enough. Whether you're watching on YouTube, checking in via podcast later in the week, whatever, watching on Facebook right now, right here and now, thank you. Please know from the bottom of my heart, I speak on behalf of all of our sponsors, everybody at Drag Illustrated Magazine, it makes all the difference. Your engagement, your commentary, it's really what keeps us going, man. And I want to ask you guys right now, let me know where you're checking in from. Let us know where you're watching from. Please help us spread the gospel of drag racing and do me a favor. Click that like button. Click that share. I don't think you do it with your finger, like unless you're watching on like, I don't know, some sort of touchscreen thing. But like click the like button, click the subscribe button so you know when we do this stuff, right? At this point in time, we're going live every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're also going live on Monday nights for the Drag Illustrated Ride Along, where we watch No Prep Kings on Discovery Channel. I mean, I don't want you to miss anything, right? So let us know where you're watching from, first and foremost. But secondly, please, click like, click subscribe, click share, and tell somebody about the West Buck Show. Tell somebody about how you spend your Wednesday afternoons. They always say the best advertising in the world, word of mouth, right? Word of mouth on the West Buck Show and Drag Illustrated Magazine, but tell somebody that you're watching this show on Wednesday. Forward it to someone. Send an email. Send a text. We want to bring everybody to the party. So thank you guys all so much for being here today. Um, I got to say it. It is it is going to be lit. First and foremost, at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, we will be joined by Matt Smith. Unbelievable to have Matt on the phone here. Uh, not on the phone. What is this? I mean, that's how long we've been doing this. The first time we had a live show, True story. We did it on something called Blog Talk Radio. I don't know if any of you guys remember this, but we would do it every Monday night. And it was, it feels like a hundred years ago. It was probably maybe 10 years ago. We would get on this phone deal every Monday night and we would call racers. They would dial this 800 number 
And I think we had to pay X amount of dollars per minute or something like that. But anyways, you could get on the internet and listen along with us. It was quite the deal. But here we are today at 3 p.m. We will be joined by Matt Smith at 3.30. We're going to check in with one of the greatest pro stock drivers of all time, perhaps one of the greatest drag racers of all time, the man himself, Greg Anderson, who basically cleaned house this past weekend at the NHRA finals in Pomona en route to count them. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five, five NHRA Pro Stock World Championships. Uh, we will also at four o'clock, I think this is, uh, I'm going through our schedule here, bear with me. At 4 p.m., we're going to have top fuel titan Steve Torrance join us to break down this legendary, largely unmatched run that he's on. And at 4.30, when we're heading toward the finish line stripe, we will bring on the one and only Ron Caps back for the second week in a row, somehow, some way, to talk about the emotional roller coaster ride that has been his second world championship. First, though, we got a lot to cover, a lot to cover, guys. But I want to check in my fam here in the studio. What's going on, Mike Carpenter? What's going on, JT Hudson? I, I don't know who's on the ones and twos, but uh, there we are. There's there's JT. What's up? There's Mike. Welcome to Yo, the club, guys. I'm on bottom. Uh, I'm on bottom today. Well, I got hey, in you were. <laughs> oh, there we go. He's flipping JT, things around. JT likes to be on bottom. He does. He does. That's what we I had hear. an awkward real hear. quick. Yeah, we had an hear. awkward run in at a restaurant in downtown for at a bar in downtown Fort Worth where that question almost got answered. At. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When yeah. you got hit on, do you remember that? Yeah. That was a wild yeah. night. Yeah, this old boy, JT, uh, got hit on. It was a cool moment, to be honest. You know, we're, <laughs> we're open-minded folks around here. And uh, JT got hit on, and this guy takes off running. Like, he had had just enough to drink that it really kind of got you up in arms. You were out the door and sprinting just to our hotel to room. Just enough to drink is a case for JT. What, what, what did he say? He said, you're kind of rough. but He said you're rugged. Rugged. and but Rugged. Something. Yeah, I don't know. And then... Man, as soon as that guy went to the bathroom, I was like, just walked out the front door real quick. And as soon as I got out like, of the, the light from the front of the I bar. thought it was funny was because like, what do you think he's going to do? I, I mean, know, you're man. a pretty big old boy. I mean, yeah. it's not like you couldn't hold your own. Know. I, you I know just, what I mean? I, I think he could have fought him. Wrong, I just figured maybe it's the wrong bar. I was running to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> it was the wildest thing, dude. Um, listen, we had a ton of racing popping off this past weekend, right? I mean... It, this was another one of those weekends where you're just kind of reminded how many different segments of our sport exist, how much drag racing is going on at any given time. Not only were things popping off in Pomona, we had the World Street, uh, excuse me, the World Street Nationals, the 28th annual running of the World Street Nationals going on down in Orlando. Excuse me. We also had a young man race it for a million dollars at a bracket race down outside of Montgomery, Alabama at Capital City Motorsports Park. Kind of. Kind of crazy, man, but I want to dive right into some of this stuff. And JT, I'll take over a little bit of the okay. throwing up the logos on here. First and foremost, guys, on the cover of Drag Illustrated a few weeks ago. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, we, yeah, we need to talk no, no, about no. We're just talking about the cover of Drag Illustrated, and I, I'm realizing in this moment. You mentioned that we Drag Illustrated magazine earlier. It's this I magazine. Did. I don't know if you guys know about this, this magazine that we do. Wes, have you, have you heard about this? Yeah, 16 years of my life been dedicated <laughs> yeah. to it. It's, yeah. uh, no, you're right, man. I, I was just getting ready. I was getting a little ahead of myself, guys. And I want to I pump the brakes and, being, and saying the phrase, the cover of Drag Illustrated Magazine kind of you know, rattled me. And I was reminded that we just uploaded uh, the 172nd issue 
of Drag Illustrated magazine. Literally, I'm not asking everybody out there in the world ago. moments ago, literally moments within ago. within 30 minutes. I'm on cloud nine right now. And this happens, Wes and I joke about this back in the day. This used to be all we did was the magazine, Wes and I. And we would stay up all night for days to literally, get this thing day. done. And after when you hit that button and it's all done and you could just go to sleep or do whatever we would take like two weeks off and just try to recuperate. We can't do that these days. No. Luckily we have a lot more help these days. Thank but, God. Yeah. We, I don't uh, know that I can say enough about <laughs> it. Like seeing how far this deal has come and I know it seems like forever and it has been a long time. We have been doing this. I mean, we put out the first issue of drag illustrated in March of 2006 to get to this point, uh, 16 years later, uh, to have put out 172 issues of the magazine. I don't know that I could be more proud of this group and more proud of the platform that we've created in our sport to, to get the feedback that we do and hear those things like the Bible uh, of drag racing, obviously, things like that. It, it's really hard to wrap your head around, and I'm, I'm so proud of it. Mike, JT, our whole team, Editor-in-Chief Nate Van Wagnen, Senior Editor Josh Hatchett, uh, Nancy, Caroline, Van, Kyle, Blake, I mean, it's unbelievable. It really is. Yeah, Everybody yeah. that has a hand and uh, Brandon Mudd, James Sisk, Rick Belden, the list goes on. I mean, there this are a, a special, lot. Yeah, this issue especially is our toughest one. And usually let's talk about that real the quick. The one that we work on the longest and we fired through this thing. Why like is that? A missile. Because it's uh, the 30. Yeah. Talk yeah, about the, the, the 30 under 30. It's a difficult issue to put together. A lot of logistics. We've got the, the nominations. We've got all that that we have to go through. Over 5,000 nominations. We've got to narrow it down. Then we've got to really create 30 stories around that. We've got to put it all together. And we've got to get it ready so that it can ship in time to be at the PRI show. Which, let's all interject real quick, has never been more of a challenge than it is in 2021. Guys, right. um, I do want to say that we fight this battle. We've been fighting it since COVID happened since the whole thing ha has popped off and getting, getting a magazine to your mailbox is as big of a challenge as it has ever been for us. Yeah. So I mean, we More literally, yeah, it's, it's the biggest challenge it's ever been here and now and getting the, the copies of drag illustrated 172, the 30 under 30 issue to PRI. We, we literally had to upload today, right, Mike? I mean, that yep, was the, today, I mean, it, today our, our, our press slot is uh, for tomorrow. So there's some pre-press that has to happen. It had to happen today, or you would not have the printed copies in your hand. We're going to have several thousand extra copies at the PRI show in the bins there and available for anybody that's going to be at the show. Uh, and I'm pretty proud. This Actually, this print order that we just sent uh, to our printer is the largest print order in the history of Drag Illustrated as far as the So what they say? Did they say print's dead? What? What do they say? We're mailing more of these things than we've ever mailed in history. Do you hear me, folks? We're mailing more copies of Drag Illustrated magazine right now in November of 2021 than at any point in, in the past. At any point in the past. And I'll tell you, you, you may want to look around a hot minute. I got a catalog in the mail from Amazon last week. I got a catalog the in the mail. The company in the world. The number one digital company in the world right? Mailed me a catalog, a, a catalog, print catalog printed catalog, not to mention I got one from so Target. Target. Yeah, Target. I, mean, I got one from Target this week. I mean, don't listen, I'm not here to educate or, or, or try to sway anybody, but it's just a reminder of how significant the printed word is that I've said it for 15 plus years. There's something gospel 
about the written word, about the printed word. And I'm just, I couldn't be more proud of what, and, what and is happening here, man. This, it's, in, it's insane. This issue means a lot to so many people. It uh, it's a it's a labor of love, especially for Nate, editor in chief, uh, who's really our our uh, tip of the spear when it comes to the thirty under thirty. Um, it's a uh, it's a huge deal. We're looking forward to the press conference, unveiling the cover at PRI, and having all these copies floating around. So um, it's a uh, I'm super proud of this issue. Cool deal for all awesome. of our advertisers, right? To get awesome, that bonus yeah. circulation. Awesome advertising. Awesome uh, cover shot. Awesome oh. feature story probably the biggest feature story we've ever done in the history of the magazine. I think it's about 38 pages. So dude, I was blown away by the page count this month. Were you, did you know that this issue is going to be like 120? Like I didn't realize the page until I started reviewing it today uh, for your proofing. I was like, I didn't realize the magazine was going to be that big this month. Yeah. That's always a proud moment too. So uh, this is really our, our crowning achievement as far as our, our print magazine. So uh, Mike killed it too. It looks yeah. awesome. Dude, I mean, it, the it, cover, like, it Mike's design, awesome. Rick Belden, the photographer we had to work with this month. It's almost, yeah, it's hard to, I'm so, that's another thing that I'm proud of because we don't just snag these guys in the staging lanes. Right. And I'm not, you know, I'm not shooting. Yeah, this was, you know, this was days of planning that yeah. happened months ago just to get the cover photo to get this so that we can make it happen. So, uh, I'm hoping you guys check it out, subscribe to the magazine. You'll see it online, but then also, um, come to the PRI show. Oh. Why, why, why else would you want to come to the PRI show? 30 or 30 and the yeah, after after hours, after guys. Hours. Um, we got to talk about that briefly real quick. I want to interject this because I got the logo over my shoulder uh, and I'd like everybody in the comments, everybody watching along. Uh, let's give these guys a, a little bit of a round of applause. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a brand new sponsor here at the West Buck Show, a brand new partner at Drag Illustrated Magazine. This has been something that's been many, many years in the making. Redline Oils. I mean, this is a company that goes hand in hand with the sport of drag racing. I want to remind give all of you. Um, yeah. yeah, JT, give us the golf clap there, brother. I mean, listen, the West Buck right. Show is brought to you from here forth by our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979, guys. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about our buddies at Redline. For more information, log on to www redlineoil.com. I got to say, guys, this is a big moment for us. I mean, to to be aligned with a company like this, we just uh, ran some, I believe we ran a story on the website, like what, two weeks ago? Something like that, uh, announcing an expanded relationship between Redline and Steve Torrance. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have Steve on the show. Well. It's in the print issue this month. Uh, another big shout out just to Mark Beatty, yeah. a longtime friend of Drag Illustrated, a longtime friend of mine, uh, a buddy of mine from the Denver, Colorado area, steering steering the marketing ship, the marketing division there at Redline Oil, and it was kind of a, it was something that had been waiting in the wings. This marriage, this relationship, and I couldn't be more proud of it. It's an exciting time for us, and I just encourage all of you guys check out RedlineOil.com, follow them on social media. JT, could you tag them uh, in this post here or in this uh, in the comments and see if we can get some people to go over and like their page and follow them on social media. Mark's done a great job with creating live content. They were live on the floor of the SEMA show. I'm sure they will be live on the floor of the PRI show coming up in a couple of weeks, but they huge are. moment yep. for us. And I just wanted to make sure that we, we kind of dived right into that. We're 25 minutes into the show, guys. Check What's out some of these comments. Everyone with a five, seven Hemi with the oh, Hemi lifter tick <laughs> loves red line. 
this is the only thing that keeps it away. Can somebody, and, I'm going to screenshot that. And really William cool. Herzog says, put some red line in, in your mower. Picked up 800 RPM. <laughs> Are you that's serious? Pretty, that's pretty serious right there. Put some <laughs> red line in your mower. Picked up 800 a, RPM. Hold on. I'm going to try to grab that. Oh, Mark's watching. Don't let, so, yeah, he, he's yeah, on don't let NHRA see that. They'll put, a, they'll put a limiter on your mower, dude. I know, man. They'll try to slow you down. Restrictor plate. Here we come. William Herzog's mower's getting taken down a notch. Yep. Uh, but seriously, uh, thank you guys. Woohoo! I mean, it, it means a ton to us, and I can't wait to see what we're able to do together. Let's dive into some of our race results over the weekend because uh, it, it's a little bit unfortunate, the timely, timing of everything, right? That It's so exciting to have all this stuff going on at once, but when you have limited real estate, you know what I mean? You have limited time to cover all of this. It's a challenge, and it was almost a little bit of a tough thing that the NHRA finals are happening at the exact same time as the great American guaranteed million going down at uh, Capital City Raceway outside of Montgomery, uh, Alabama. Tyler Bohannon wins a milli, ladies and gentlemen. The Scoggin Dickey Parts Center Race Shop Great American Guaranteed Million uh, taken home by Tyler Bohannon, uh, 2018. You were just talking about this, Mike class of 2018 drag illustrated 30 under 30 exceptional young man. That's clearly going to do a lot in the sport of drag racing. Just have you guys considered what it would be like to pocket a million dollars at a drag yeah. race? I mean, makes me feel JT, are we in the wrong business? We are for sure. Clearly. I mean, like, yeah. Just kidding. I mean, we couldn't me and JT. It would take us a long time to try to get as good at bracket racing as these guys are. I mean, I that's the thing. Which, it's no joke. Every, spin it, though. Yeah. Everybody looks at this deal like, oh man, why didn't I go to, you know, I should, I need to get into this deal or why wasn't I at this race? But these guys, the competition there is as stiff as anywhere in the country. And it's a oh totally my. different deal than the NHRA pros. It's like, it's a little bit of a shame that it's on the same weekend, but it's two totally different segments of the sport. We talk about how the sport is so segmented, but uh, in these two cases, you've got kind of the the uh, the home run derbies of, of both the uh, both segments going. on. It was tough weekend. to have it like go on simultaneously, yeah. and it, I mean it's all good. I'm glad it happened, and it's fantastic. And it shows you that it's not like they didn't have a hell of a turnout in Montgomery. Right. It's not like they didn't have a lot of people paying attention to what's going on in Montgomery at the Great American Guaranteed Million. But it does remind you just of how many segments of our sport exist and how many segments of our sport are thriving despite there being so many of them, whether it's no prep Kings, uh, no prep racing in general, uh, bracket racing, drag nostalgia racing, whether it's the, you know, some of these East coast based door slammer series, like the PDRA Northeast outlaw pro mods, Carolina extreme pro mods. I mean, there's a lot of really successful drag racing sanctions and series and just independent events taking place around the country. Excuse me. I'm just curious do, do you think this is something, guys, you know, briefly touch on the guaranteed million? We had uh, Britt Cummings uh, and Galen Rosson on the cover of Drag Illustrated a couple of months ago. Do you think that this is something that's sustainable for the sport of drag racing, that yeah. these million-dollar events that Actually, are, you know, largely we talked about this. We talked about this. Entry like, fee driven. Yeah, we talked about this two or three years ago, and we had that same question. And here we are two or three years later, and they're still doing it. So I actually think it is, and I think that, uh, these guys I almost classify them as like outlaw bracket racers. The guys that go to these events <laughs> and that go to these one-off events and these these huge payout uh, uh, shootouts or whatever you want to call them are different and kind of following a different path than your guys that may go run the same class on the NHRA tour or for a divisional. 
Uh, so I, I really think it is. I think it represents the outlaw segment of the sportsman and bracket racing. Did you uh, see camp. some of the, I was looking through some photos on uh, dragchamp.com, which had some really great coverage of this event. And I was looking through some of the photos. They had a, a jumbotron mm-hmm. at the base of the tower. They really, they pulled out all the stops for this deal. And I, I think it's, I feel like we literally missed out. Like I, it's the, probably the first time in my life going, man, I really wish I would have been at that drag race, you know, at that bracket race, excuse me. Because uh, it just seemed like they did a fantastic job with all the pomp and circumstance. But Don't I think the next question. Don't ever those words before. Oh, I know, right? Man, I really uh, wish I was at that bracket race. But I mean, how do we change that narrative? That's kind of the reason I said it because I'm I'm apt to take some just take a little heat for having said that out loud. But well, it's I, not. I don't think. I, I well, think it's no the, secret. It's a yeah, participant driven thing. Yeah, it's participant driven. But right. they are. They're making it more like an exhibition outlaw type show where it's got a jumbotron. It's got other things going on. And some of these racers that are competing are your your. Uh, celebrities or uh, your big personalities of the sport. It's uh, I personally wonder if I think there's going to be some news. I don't really have an inside track on this. I'll be honest, but I just, I don't know. Like we haven't seen as much promotion of some of these other races and some of these other big payout bracket races. So I wonder if there's just getting to be so many of them. I mean, there was like, there was a, the original million dollar bracket race was just a couple of weeks ago at Valdosta. Mm-hmm. Right. And now we've got another one. I do wonder that we just talked about how much is going on and how hard it is. To, you know, everyone's tension, attention is divided. The media's attention is divided because what I want is I want to see you events like this be celebrated a little bit more. So, right. I mean, it felt like this whole thing happened and it, it didn't have, you know, it wasn't in the media and in the news the way that I really feel it should be. And I don't necessarily know what the answer is to that. I mean, because if you're this is something that it feels like should be getting some coverage on ESPN, maybe. Or it, I mean, if they're going to have cornhole and parkour and for hopscotch that money, for that much money, for that yeah. much money yeah. I don't know how we can't get a little bit of a I drag mean, racing I'm presence on some of these mainstream <laughs> sports news networks, even on websites. Right. I'm not saying. Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp need to be talking about it on Fox. And I'm not saying that they need to like cut to it during, you know, Scott Van Pelt's segment on SportsCenter tonight. But I do think that on ESPN.com or FoxSports.com or some of these other mainstream websites, we're having a drag race, a bracket race where people, young men that, that are having their lives changed by winning a bracket race. This needs to be talked about. What are we doing, guys? I... I don't know. It, it's a question that I think we'll be trying to answer for a long time. But if we've ever had an opportunity to get picked up or get a little bit of notoriety or get a little bit of exposure from some of those other mainstream news sources, it feels like a million dollar drag race would do it. But apparently not. A million dollar heads up race would probably get more. I mean, you know, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt about yeah. it, man. Hey, That's just the fact. I, I, just, I think those I guys are really to watch a lot of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think those I mean, guys are almost, almost like, like, they, 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 they almost take they take pride in that almost. That I think they maybe do. Yeah, that's or they really do. I mean, they they take pride in that. Okay, yeah, go uh, lavish all your attention or your media coverage on the pros, and we're doing our thing over here and for more money. Uh, I would yeah. almost argue though, yeah. like go all in on that. It almost feels like it needs to be underground. Like, don't let anybody in. I'll never forget when JT and I showed up at that kind of underground streetcar race outside of Dallas. It's probably been five, six, seven, maybe longer years ago. I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was an underground. It was organized and it was sanctioned. It, was at, it wasn't sanctioned, excuse me, but it was um, as safely contested as possible. It was contested 
excuse me, at an airport. Um, what was that deal called? The Texas Speed Syndicate is what basically yeah. put the event together. And it was a Texas 2K, right? No, it wasn't Texas oh, 2K. Wasn't that happens 2K. at Houston. That happens at the drag strip. Why am I drawing blank on this? Whatever. Texas it, Invitational. Texas Invitational. Yeah, Thank invitational. you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really cool event, but they they wouldn't hardly let you in unless you were associated, man. unless yeah. you were associated with somebody, unless you were on a team or directly involved with one of them, a sponsor, you ain't getting in. And it almost feels to me a little bit like, you know what? If we Bro, can't get that mainstream, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I if you can't get that mainstream attention, maybe just lean into not letting anybody come. And hey, this is an underground fight club deal where we we bracket race for a million dollars and we don't want you here. You're not welcome. And I think if you maybe turn some folks away, you'd be surprised how many more people would want it. Classic marketing lesson. Everybody wants what no one else has. I don't know. Maybe maybe take away some of the access. Maybe make it a little bit more, you know, exclusive as far as, you know, who's covering it, who knows about it, who's welcome. And maybe that would flip the trick. Uh, I got to we got to move on a little bit. We got a lot to cover here. The yep. 28th annual World Street Nationals in the book. Orlando, Florida's iconic door slammer shootout continues its tradition in 2021. I don't know about you guys, but this is an event that I've just always looked forward to. I point at this event as one of the events, and I think you guys will appreciate this, and it's kind of a fun fact for those watching along or listening along, this is one of the races that helped kind of create Drag Illustrated. I remember driving down to this event many, many moons ago. It had been in the early 2000s with my dad. Yeah, I was at this event in uh, oh, 05, 06, and 07. I mean, we literally capacity. rented a motorhome, or borrowed a motorhome from one of my dad's customers, drove across country to this race, and were just blown away by the fanfare by the level of competition by the 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 air like the atmosphere it was just it was as electric of a drag racing event as i have ever been to and i believe that was in oh five right around there right before we started we the there, magazine we were there with uh steve poloskis oh yeah and yeah, remember yeah, yeah. that badass uh what was that thing cavalier yeah man uh built Your by dad Lake. helping tune in on it it had one of our i think it had one of our uh old engines in it and we tuned it and we went rounds there. Uh, Vinny Badano, kind of the yeah. same thing. We went to Streetcar Super Nationals, raced him there uh, in Vegas. Those were the badass days of Pro Street. But essentially, those days are over, and it's Pro Mod now. Isn't it funny? Because I was actually I was writing a preview story for the World Street Nationals, and I was thinking back to those early days: Outlaw Pro Street, Outlaw Ten Five, Heavy Street, and Drag Radial. Those were the four eliminators that the World Street Nationals were built on. Were you and there now, when that car like jumped the? I was wall, there. The for wall that, landed in the. Um, I'm drawing blank on his name. Too. We ran an incredible photo sequence that Kelly Anderson took yes. of that red Pontiac GTO with the yeah. flames on it flying through the air that was back in the day of atrium you know guardrails really really scary scene down there but i gotta tell you that that event just the impact it's had i don't know that we can say enough about it i mean look at where radial racing has arrived i mean basically a feud between the original promoter and donald long birthed radio versus the world birthed this Drag radial becoming a marquee attraction. Outlaw 10.5 was a lot of the history that's associated with that class. First six second run. Well, it wasn't the first six second run. Well, it might have been for 10.5. Regardless, you would have the Steve Kirk Juniors. You would have the Tim Lynches. You would have the Jack Barfields, the Mike Hills. I mean, that 
that race is responsible for so much in our sport. And it has changed a lot over the years. This year, it was Todd Tuttero taking the win in Pro Mod. The, the original headlining category, Outlaw Pro Street, as you mentioned, Outlaw 10.5 was always part of it. It's funny, Drag Radial and Heavy Street were largely filler classes right. back at that point in time. Drag Radial would be completely offended no matter which version of it it was whether it was is this, is this, radio versus the world or pro Arkham 275 may have yes. uh, originated from <laughs> i believe it is man i remember i mean and it's those stories are true and i don't know that anybody's really to blame for it any promoter that's ever put on a race is more than likely you're going to have one group or one category that's kind of your focus and it's not a derogatory thing to say that you have to have all this supporting cast well you've you got have to go to you got to go where the sport's going. At that time, Pro Street had a market, and and this was really the place that birthed it and kind of fed that market. There is no market for that. There are no Pro Street cars, so you've got to go Pro Mod. You and Pro Street Eighth Mile too. Another interesting yeah. thing because this event one hundred percent quarter mile across the board. Now one hundred percent eighth mile across the board. Yeah, absolutely. I, to me, Pro Street the and we talk about no prep kings a lot, but. No Prep Kings reminds me the most of Pro Street back in those days in the 05, mid-2000 days in Orlando. And so it's interesting to see that was a huge show, a huge draw, a huge attraction. You never know what you were going to see. It's kind of the same thing in No Prep Kings these days. But to put on a traditional event that's not televised and all that, you've got to go Pro Mod. I mean, we've been down this road, too. A million. It's uh, to see Todd Tuttero win it, though, however, no no huge surprise. They had a great field of cars down there. I don't know exactly how many ha they had. They lost a session of qualifying, I believe, on Saturday due to rain. Made the executive airboat. decision. They an airboat out there on a trailer trying oh, to yeah. drive the you track. You text me about this. Yeah, that is cool. It. Innovative. Cool. Yeah. Innovative. And it's I thought been, they did a cool thing by expanding lift. the field. Did you yeah, notice that? A, yeah, they went from oh, yeah. 16 cars to 32, to 32 cars. And really, uh, Tuttero winning, no surprise. He's he races no. down there a lot. He tunes cars there, uh, drives cars there. He's had success at our race there. And uh, you take him down there to Bradenton, Orlando. You got to watch out for Tuttero. You got to take if you take that dude to Big Dog. If you guys, I think he'd be in the hunt at the guaranteed million dollar bracket race. Like I'm not, I'm being a little bit dramatic, but. Guys like that so are just in these, different in these one-off events, like you said, Big Dog or whatever. Especially places he's got data and places where the the air is good early in the season, late in the season. He especially seems to have a little extra up his sleeve there. I'm proud of what what Todd is building. It feels like he's got he's got his hands. Not only is he racing, he's involved with Kurt Steading, right, fielding a two car team in yep. PDRA Pro Boost competition. He's helping out with. Uh, Tommy Gray and the under uh, the Undertaker Pro Mod team up in Northeast Outlaw Pro Mods. He's also lent a hand to uh, Mitch Decker. He's got he's integrally and in, uh, intimately involved with uh, Barry Mitchell's Big Dog. Basically, if you're a team. fast blown car, yeah, you're working with yeah. Tuttero. You're working with Todd Tuttero, and I think that that's something that we're going to see that continue to be a thing. He is. But here's a guy. Here's a guy that started with nitrous cars, has dabbled in turbos. I don't know that he's messed a lot with pro chargers, but I mean, anything this guy's touched, he's one of these guys being around here in the Carolinas. He's learned, he's surrounded himself with the best. He's learned from the best. He drove a second car for, uh, to, uh, for Don Plemons back in the day. Yes. He's, he's worked with Ricky Smith closely. Uh, just a guy that has learned and is passing that on to Ty. I can see that coming from Ty in the next generation.
he's Ty Tuttero is a difference maker right now as well, which has been a fun thing to see, to be honest with you, because it's uh, the the way he's followed in his father's footsteps, but his confidence you can really see him coming into his own. There was a situation earlier this summer. I can't remember all the details, but Todd was PDRA racing somewhere, I believe. And there was also a big dog race going on at Piedmont Dragway out in North Carolina, one of my all-time favorite drag racing series. And Ty, Ty took the turn, tuning reins of Barry Mitchell's Pro Mod car and put him in the winner's circle, reset the track record, and did it without – his dad there. And that's, yep. I mean, what a moment that was, but really and a cool thing to, to say. Denise. Denise is my favorite Tuttero. She deserves that title. She may be everyone's favorite Tuttero. She's definitely mine as well. And just uh, an all around great group of people. Fantastic to see them having the success they do uh, and, and seem to will likely continue to have. There was a couple other storylines coming out of Orlando. I thought it was interesting that Justin Swanstrom, we, we do talk a lot about no prep Kings specifically on Monday night, but I did think it was interesting to see him willingly throw his hat into the ring with some le- real deal, lightweight pro mod cars and hold his own, right? He was looking like he was going to DNQ, but he went down there and I believe ran some bottom three eighties, switching the car over, taking weight out of it, being not a, a traditional pro mod car, not stretched, not with a carbon body. I actually thought it was very impressive. We talked a little bit about it last week. Very cool. But uh, it, it was cool. I know there are going to be some people that aren't thrilled about it, lighting the boards like he did and kind of letting the world know what those cars are capable of. But personally, I think No Prep Kings almost needed it, to be honest with you. I think No Prep Kings could use that little bit of validation to have one of their racers go out and be competitive at either an independent event or within a sanction or series just to show people that watch this uh, programming on TV. These cars are fast and to maybe hush up a few of the naysayers, right? I mean, because how can you yeah. argue? Oh, like, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I don't, I don't think, that how do you that argue was, with it? I think that I don't think he that, achieved yeah. that in a roundabout way, but I don't think that was his intention. No, I don't think he's going to do whatever Swan he game he wants to do. Yeah. The, the Swanstrom family, they're going to do whatever they want to do. And yeah. so that's a race close to home. They wanted to go run that car. They're also, from what we hear, uh, he's going to be running that car on the street from now on, and he's got a new NPK car coming. So right. uh, like we talked about on Monday, I could just about see him with his left hand out the window with his middle <laughs> finger up as he's making those passes. Like he doesn't care what it runs or what the numbers show anymore because he's not running that car in NPK. So it's kind of a kind of the swan song for that car. Ooh, as, look at that. That oh, was like nice. ready for the big yeah. time pun. It wasn't, wasn't even in the notes, man. It wasn't even in the notes. Wasn't even in the notes. Just and Hoge, guys, style. by the way, I do want to remind you, Stroud Safety, what can you say about these guys? Tommy Cunningham and the gang at Stroud Safety are the, amongst the West Buck Show's biggest supporters. If you want the best racing safety equipment from fire suits to seat belts and shoots to ballistic blankets, and you want to buy Made in America products, I've seen this firsthand. It is a breathtaking experience, and I am not being dramatic. Please call Stroud Safety today or check them out online at stroudsafety.com. Guys, we got to do a little bit more self, uh, self-serving self housekeeping here. This is a big moment for us. We've uh, we've obviously got a big following for, for this event that we have done for many moons now, uh, tied in with the performance racing industry trade show. This uh, is what I believe baby. to be, this is JT's baby right here, ladies and gentlemen, the biggest party in drag racing, hereforth known as DI After Hours, powered by Titan Racing Engines, Thursday, December 9th at Envy Nightclub in downtown Indy. We will burn the city to the ground, making our triumphant 
return to the motorsports capital of the world, Indianapolis, Indiana. It's been a minute. It's been a little over a year, but I'm ready to get back there, and I couldn't be more excited to bring my friends, Eric Latino and the whole team, Chris Clark, everybody out there at uh, Titan Racing Engines in Denver, North Carolina. I yeah. finally nailed it. I almost butcher it every week. How about it, guys? It's cool to have a real in- – what do you say? It's been fantastic. The relationships we've had in the past around this event have been great, and they've served us well. But for me, I'm actually genuinely excited to have a hardcore company associated with this with this event and a new company. people that we see a new company. Fantastic, but a group of people that like we see at the races all the yeah. time that we're rubbing elbows with that are getting their hands dirty. These are these are kind of like our brothers in arms, and it's great. Absolutely great to have them involved with this. They will be providing power in 2022 for NHRA Pro Stock rookie Camry Caruso. Very exciting times. I know they're making a hard push right now, guys, to to kind of throw their hat in the ring with all the, the big league engine builders. I've had conversations with this group that have kind of centered around, we want to be mentioned in the same breath as KB Racing. We want to be mentioned in the same breath as Elite Performance. We want to be mentioned in the, breath with, in the same breath as so many of these kind of legendary iconic engine builder brands and they seem major eager major aggressive and it's uh it's a cool thing to partner with them for our party i told them i didn't want to bring anybody uh, to the table listen i don't want to turn anybody away when it comes to business and everybody knows if uh if you're buying i'm selling but i didn't want to bring anybody into this property particular in particular because hey we've worked so hard on it and it is I mean, it's like the ultimate C and B seen event in our industry. I truly feel that outside away from the racetrack, it's the most significant happening in our sport that doesn't happen at a drag strip. It is over 2,500 people through the door from start to finish. It's a, it's a cra- it's a sight to behold at the bare minimum. And I didn't want to bring a partner along that wasn't committed to the long haul. We have big, big visions for this. We feel truly that we're just getting started. And the cool thing is we have a brand new partner on the signage on the marquee out front. But JT, tell us a little bit about, we got a brand new partnership within the the building for the first time in five years, which is a pretty exciting thing. Envy Nightclub, Jason Jenkins, it's uh, a a little bit of a match made in heaven, it feels like. It does. And uh, I mean, this guy knows what he's doing too. We've we've struggled in the past with some of these, these owners of these clubs. Like we warn them, you know, like, Hey guys, we drink beer, we party, we have fun. <laughs> you know, you're going to need, you're going to need to stock up. And these guys just don't get it. You know, this guy gets it. I mean, I think he's hosting uh little John. Yes. The, uh, the weekend before us, you know, so, um, you know, having a big party is nothing new to him. And, uh, they've re redesigned this whole place. Um, he owns the, he owns the building next door, which is Tiki Bob's, I believe. Right. Yes, Tiki Bob's is his sister club. So we'll have that as an overflow venue. I mean, what did he tell? One of the issues we've had is getting club owners to really understand bar owners like, hey, we're bringing a big party. This has been reported to us as the third biggest night of business for bar owners in downtown Indianapolis of the year behind New Year's Eve and Halloween. The third third weekend or the third night that moves the needle for them is Drag Illustrated After Hours. And we would routinely have meetings with these folks saying, hey, listen, we're going to run out of ice. We're going to run out of cups. We're going to run out of everything. And we need, we need you to be ready. We've got a hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory on stock on hand at all times at Envy nightclub. We've got 25 VIP tables. We've yep, got a high staff. level national touring DJ coming in. We've got nine bar backs. We've got six full-time VIP hostesses. I mean, we've got 
$200,000 sound and light uh, setup. We're, we're really, really proud of what this event has become. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt, this will be the biggest and best DI after hours we've ever had. And perhaps for no reason more so than our new partnership with our friends at Titan Racing Engines. I had about an hour long call with Chris Clark from Titan Racing Engines yesterday. Super proud of this. We, we've known each other for a long time and to have the opportunity to kind of jump in uh, to business together at this level is super exciting. And I just want to make sure that I remind everybody, uh, JT or Mike, hopefully one of you know our booth number, but remember, early access passes will be available at the Drag Illustrated booth first thing Thursday morning, opening day of the Performance Racing Industry Trade Show in Indianapolis, Indiana. I would encourage you, I know most folks go into the PRI show with a list of people to meet, a list of booths to go to, a list of people to see. Just make sure that, you swing by... Away. Make sure you swing. Yeah, throw that away. Don't worry about that. Just throw that away. It won't work. It never works. But make sure you swing by the Drag Illustrated booth and pick up your early access pass. The party starts at 9 p.m. But if you show up at the Drag Illustrated booth, you're going to be able to grab an early access pass that will get you in at 8 o'clock. We've made, we've made a lot of changes to this. We're going to be doing some ticketing. We'll be announcing the details of that later today or first thing tomorrow. In this uh, global pandemic age we live in, you got to do things a little differently when it comes to events. So uh, in order I'm to forward to that, I yeah. am too. Uh, and I will, yeah. I will say, I will say, because normally that that's I'm on, already, that's on I'm already, me to kick everybody out or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired right. of doing that guys. I'm already getting hit up about tables and I will be getting a hold of everybody that had tables. Uh, you, you'll get the first chance at them. And then any overflow that we have on tables that are left over, we will release after, after that. And, um, yeah, this is going to be awesome, man. I mean, I'm really excited about it this year. Apparently, and in Indy and maybe around the world, and this is, <laughs> yeah, usually it's going to be a little bit of a change of pace it. because folks are used to just piling in and like fighting their way through the door or whatever. But we're going to have an electronic ticketing Get system. It's already in right. place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you'll be able to show up to the door with a ticket that guarantees you access to the club. Uh, it's going to be an expedited entrance that I'm very excited about, a more organized experience from that point of view. But it also keeps us safe. Listen, I have young kids. I've got a family. I'm married. We want to take care of people. We want to be safe. We want everybody to come have a good time, but go home healthy. Really important. So we have to, by state law and guidelines, we have to have a seat or a place for someone to go for every person that we bring in the building. So for those of you that don't know why we're changing things up or why things might look a little different in 2021, just know that it's us, in our opinion, doing what we need to do to keep folks safe, make sure people have a great time and improve this experience. We're, we're experience creators here at Drag Illustrated. That's what we pride ourselves on. Whether it's the experience of opening your mailbox and grabbing that copy of Drag Illustrated magazine or whether it's showing up to a race or showing up to the PRI show, joining us every Wednesday here on the West Buck Show. We want to create experiences, positive ones, memorable ones, and I hope you'll all join us Thursday night, December. What is it? Hopefully, tenth. Hopefully, hopefully it'll ninth? help everybody outside too. You know, this 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 should help everything. You know, getting in the building. Yeah, ninth. Um, you know, having a seat. Um, you know, this is a great place to network. You know, we had a we've got a great relationship with PD Smallblock. You know, Pete Abram. He used to say, "Man, I don't even need to go to the show. You know, I could just go to the DI after hours party, and I get I get more networking done at that party than I do at the show." He said, "I could just fly out the next day." I yeah, really I mean, don't think that's an exaggeration. I mean, there's a lot of net networking to be had. There yeah, is, or bad. and it's also I think, or bad. I love you it. know, it's one of those things where it's it's a relatively exclusive get together, man. Yeah. I mean, not everybody is able to get in, and if you're there and you're part of it, you're going to have those war stories to share on Friday morning. You're you're going to have met somebody or or added to your network in a positive fashion, and at the end of the day, had a fantastic time, or at least 
That is my hope. We got buddy, a lot of- our, our buddy Mark Caruso, uh, Titan Racing Engines, nearby here in Denver. Hey, Mark, I'm coming to see you next week. Get the Tito's ready. Ooh, it's on. It's Tito's. on like Donkey Kong, right? I don't even have to say that. He's always got the Tito's ready, right? Yeah, he keeps okay. that uh, locked up. And I'm going to tell you guys, we got some huge news. Mark Caruso is, is making comments uh, or making note of this in the comments right now. There's going to be some huge news coming Thursday at the DI booth. Lots of cool stuff going on in the sport of drag racing right now. Ed Stelly, uh, Steele, or however you say your last name, my friend, uh, I apologize. Basically... Log on to stay tuned to dragillustrated.com, Drag Illustrated social media channels. We'll be launching our ticket sales, I believe, JT, first thing tomorrow morning is what we're looking it'll at. Be, it'll be tomorrow or Friday, yeah. Okay, it'll be tomorrow or Friday that we'll be actually uh, handling the ticketing, but it's going to be a fantastic time, and I encourage you to join us. Envy Nightclub, DI After Hours, powered by Titan Racing Engines, Thursday, December 9th. 2021 let's fly down through a few of these things we've got a few minutes here uh before we bring our first guest on the air and that's actually one of the things that i was going to talk about i mean it's it's time to talk about pomona man somehow some way mike jt it's uh the season's over i say this a lot but i mean it feels like the last thing i really remember was the fourth of july somebody has done leaned over my shoulder and like hit the fast forward button it's uh this was fun by it has man and i think this is like the most like the saddest I've ever been about the close of a season. It felt like we had all these fun storylines and all this back and forth and all these different scenarios. And then it was all over. Well, the right? off season it, isn't very long anymore. It's not man. So 80 yeah. something days till yeah. 80 something days till Q1 in Pomona. Uh, I got to say, let's just uh, tackle a handful of the things that, that took place this past weekend. Um, we've obviously had Steve Torrance win his, fourth consecutive NHRA Top Fuel World Championship. Uh, I actually want to dive into that a little bit. We've got a few minutes here before we bring Matt Smith on the air. I want to ask you guys this. Steve Torrance earns fourth straight. Top Fuel Titans reign over the highest level of our sport continues. Where do you guys think uh, old Steve Torrance and the Capco boys, where do they fit in like the greatest of all time conversation? Because this felt like a greatest of all time performance out in Pomona. Can we just run through some stats? I mean, Let's you run can. through some stats to set this up. Shout out to jo- uh, Josh Hatchett and Brandon Mudd, who helped us compile these stats. Steve Torrance is 263-59 and 59 since 2017. That's his win-loss uh, stats. Batting average, that's 870. 870. losses. Uh, what was his uh, – I don't see these numbers on here. Um but he's got like single digit round losses in several seasons. 60 and nine. This year tied yeah. his career best for round wins. 60 round wins in 2021. 60 and nine overall. Can you imagine having gone into that many drag races, 70 essentially, and winning damn near all of them? Yeah. Crazy. It's 50, insane. And to do it in top fuel? He's got 51 career wins, one shy of Antron Brown. And he's done all this. I think just the, the percentage, the uh, the the batting average, you want to call it, the win-loss percentage, and the short amount of time that he has closed the gap on all of the legends of the sport uh, is incredible. And if you sit down and look at these numbers and see how quickly he's done it in, in the period of time. It's baffling. If he keeps it up, it just it, to me, it comes down to how long does he continue to do this? This is a guy that just got married, that just had his first child. This is a guy that's got a successful business, family business to uh, to tend to. He's got a lot of other things that he could be doing or that could take his interest. 
Uh, how long do we see him keep after this? I think he's too close personally to Tony Schumacher in terms of like being the greatest to ever do it, not being in the conversation, but like literally being identified as the best. I think that it's possible that he, he bests Tony Schumacher. I really do. I think I want to talk to Steve about this a little later in the show, because I'm really excited about the potential of this new, new rivalry perhaps between Steve Torrance and Tony Schumacher. Uh, But I look at this and I go 51 career wins. He's one shy of Antron Brown. And I think it begs the question, go after Schumacher. Schumacher's got eight titles and 85 wins. That's within striking distance. I mean, that's, I mean, another five-year run, and obviously that's a long time. I mean, you start talking about in terms of five-year stretches, but you take, you look at uh, what he's done in the last five years, I don't think there's any chance that you can rule out he couldn't have another five years like this. We're going to see top fuel, nitro racing in general, in my opinion, look a lot different next season that it has. And I think that he's, I think that you can almost sense it. He said something during his post-race interview, and I wish I had that quote in front of me. I actually forgot to copy and paste it, but it was uh, asked of him, where is, I'm going to actually find this real quick. Where's Slack? Where's Westbrook show? It's a worthwhile quote, and I'm not going to, uh, here we go. Josh Hatchett. Thank you, man. He gives us these incredible senior editor at Drag Illustrated. He, he, He finds all these nuggets for us. Here's a quote from Steve Torrance. Anybody that knows Tony, Tony Schumacher, obviously, and Tony's a good friend of mine, he says, but he has a big ego and he doesn't like it when you kind of trash talk him. He said something about it's not a comeback because he's been here before, but I'm going to be, I'm going to tell him you left and I'm the sheriff now. So that tells me that there's (laughs) a little bit, uh, it's possible. He's, he's revved up about this and I, I gotta be truthfully. I don't know that Tony's going to be able to slide back. It's not going to be a cakewalk, man. You're not going to dive right back into this not deal. Against and this team. This, not this against this group. This team's a dynasty. You know, someone said it in the, in the uh, comments. Like, you could consider them a dynasty. You know, they're the they're the Patriots, you know, when when Brady was there winning. And, and I mean, well, actually, they're, they're, uh, they're more consistent than the Patriots were. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, you know, that's how much, how good these guys are. I think about... I mean, Schumacher had six straight. He won a championship in 1999, took a couple, you know, had, didn't have his greatest seasons uh, there for a few years, but he had six straight world titles between 2004 and 2009, 2004 and 2009, won another one in 2014 to earn eight in total. As I said a second ago, 85 wins. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Steve Torrance best that mark. I mean, six straight, six straight championships. I don't see any reason it couldn't happen. We talk about it all the time, and I look forward to talking to Matt Smith about it, how hard it is to repeat, how hard it is to do these things, especially when you're, as we love to talk about, racing out front. It's a totally different type of uh, environment when you're racing with a target on your back, right? Everybody's putting up their best effort against you. Everybody's cutting their best light against you. Everybody's swinging for the fences every time you're in the opposing lane. Totally different world than being like a scrapper, Right. right, someone that's kind of fighting and clawing and getting all that extra motivation and all that extra little bit and trying things and maybe getting out of their comfort zone, anything they have to do. It's like sports teams. We see it all the time. There's so many of these teams that they know, hey, if we're within 10, if we're within 15 toward the end of the game, we're going to win because that's what we do. We figure it out and we climb out of that hole. And when you find a team that can get a big lead and then maintain it, that's a special Special group of people. About it, clearly, what's going on, on with the Sunday, Catco boys? You know, we talked about the consistency this team has had, and 
you know, you're going to have slumps. You're going to have, you know, good days and bad days, right? You're, you're, you're going to break some days, you know, but for this team to go out and do it. And, and that says something about the whole, the, the whole team, I guess you'd say, you know, that they keep put, putting out a winning car over and over and over and over that many times. That's, that's so impressive, you know, and not to get in any of those slumps really over that no not at all and at times seem virtually unbeatable i can't say enough about it massively impressive to see that whole situation unfold not as uh, maybe a touch anticlimactic if you compare it to pro stock bike or pro stock car or what we had going on in funny car but i don't think it i don't say that to lighten that or to take away from the moment i mean steve torrance sealed the deal with a first round win it was, uh, like I said, it wasn't in the final. It wasn't with three or four cars in contention to best him. But but don't lose sight of the fact that this was a really significant moment in the sport of drag racing. We're seeing something special. I do personally believe that Steve's in that conversation. When it comes to greatest of all time, there's a lot of names that get thrown out there. I mean, I think Big Daddy Don Garlitz. I think one of the things that we got to touch touch on, and it might be great to do it with Matt because Matt can build motors, drive truck. He'll do the whole thing, much like his father, Tricky Ricky Smith. He, he can do the whole deal. I do think at some point in time, we're going to have to dive in, JT, to like the conversation between driver and racer or rider and racer because I personally believe those are different. Those are different things, right? Yes. A, a racer is someone who can yank the heads off this thing or put bearings in it if I need to or tune it or, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying that it's bad. I mean, there's plenty of super there's famous, room for both. Yeah. there's room yeah. for both. There's tons of very successful bands that have front men that only sing, right? I mean, that's okay. Right. There's yeah. room for everybody, but I do think the definition is different. And uh, with that said, let's talk about uh, different definitions and let's just go ahead and bring Matt on. Where did Mike go? What happened? I don't I'm know. I'm back. Oh, he's back. Would you have your internet? You have to go pee, Mike? You yeah, okay? I actually did. I, actually did. Oh, I figured <laughs> as much. My goodness. I sit here stone-faced for three hours and never leave. <laughs> never leave. Never once do you I got a bucket. clear my I think throat. you got a bucket down there or something. Oh, you guys. <laughs> One of these days you'll catch up. But ladies and gentlemen, let's check in with King North Carolina's own, talking about greatest of all time, talking about people that are moving into that conversation. Bring him on, T. The one and only Matt Smith. What's up, Matt? Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, Good. dude. Thank you so much for joining us, brother. I'm sure you are worn out. And I, I literally <laughs> screen grabbed this because you guys, is this real? Hold on. Angie posted something on Facebook. Did you, is this real? 2,400 miles in 48 hours. Did y'all drive straight through? No, we didn't drive straight okay, through. Okay, thank God. Hold on, I'm trying to turn it sideways. So no, you're look good. At all those like, oh I know God. he's got I trophies think, stacked like firewood. Those, yeah, he is. Trophies. Yeah, like uh, humble brag. That's my camera here. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> well, no. There you go. Oh, there we go. There we go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Give us the full oh, deal. Yeah. Oh, shit. there we go. Holy shit! I really like that now. wall color. <laughs> kind of a dark khaki with the white trim. Yeah. I like that, man. It's looking good in there. What did you think of the new Camping World trophy? I like. I think they did a good job on those, don't you? Those big, the big championship trophy. Yeah, yeah. I think they did a good job. Uh, it's kind of the same, pretty close to what we had last year. You know, almost identical. Oh no, joke! I guess I wasn't paying attention. I thought yeah, it was so like. Let's see here. I'll, here, here I'll give go. you a good comparison oh, here. Here we go. So. Oh. Well, never mind. I'm lying to you. I like the gold ones. There's there's the one from last year. Okay. The base is a little bit wider. Okay. And then. <laughs> Then here's the one from this year. 
It feels like we're splitting hairs now, Matt. You're yeah. talking about how wide yeah. the base yeah. of your championship it's trophy just, is. It's a little bit, this one's a yeah. little girthier, you, you know? I like a things. girthy championship trophy, <laughs> you know? Jeez Louise, man. Hey, it's starting to get picky when you got five of them. <laughs> Uh, seriously, we were just having this conversation and I know you were listening in on the green room and I kind of I actually like leave, letting guys hang out in the green room for a little bit so they can hear what we're talking about. We were just having a little bit of goat conversation surrounding Steve Torrance. Matt, you said something during your post race, uh, during your championship interview with Amanda Busick and you do. Man, you've really you've crushed it this year on camera, uh, whether it was good or bad. I've been so impressed with how you've handled yourself on camera. It's been it's a little bit weird to see you with short hair now, but uh, I was really getting <laughs> yeah. used to, to long hair, flat bill. Locks of love. Kind of West Coast of version, the West Coast version of Matt Smith. But uh, after winning your fifth world title, I mean, you said on the stage that you want that's part of your desire is to be mentioned in as one of the greatest of all time, the best to ever do it when it comes to pro stock motorcycle racing. Uh, a, thank you for being willing to be that guy that says that stuff. I wish we heard more of that. I wish we heard more of the the driving force behind some of these efforts that we see on the racetrack. So thank you for sharing with that, sharing us with us that uh, candid thought. But I mean, you got to feel pretty good about that conversation right now, Matt. I mean, you're you're in the mix. Yeah, I mean, when you when you talk about the greatest of all time, you know, in Pro Stop Motorcycle, you have Dave Schultz, all right? He's won six championships. I mean, he's, you know, one of the best of all time. He's no longer with us, but then you've got Andrew Hines, who's still a current ra racer, and he's got six of them. And now I'm third on the list with five, you know, and I'm a current racer. So with my name just being associated with those guys is, is pretty amazing, you know, and uh, I'm just glad to be there, you know. When you look at who my dad is and what he's accomplished uh, his whole life. I mean, I just want to be as good as he is. You know, I'll never be as good as him, but I just want him to be proud of what I've done and, and what we've done. And I think, you know, I think he is that. I can, I listen, I don't want to put words in the mouth of a legend like Tricky Ricky Smith, your father, but I can assure you that he's very proud of you, Matt. It's uh, it's incredible what you've accomplished. And I think it's worth mentioning that your path Dave Schultz, Andrew Hines, as you mentioned, in legends in their own right. But your path to success has been decidedly different. I mean, I think it's I think we got to talk about that. Right. You have uh, it's not like you've had a, a a factory connection. Right. The way this has played out, I think you've got to be proud of how you've had to do it. And I'm not taking shots here. I'm not trying to say one's better than the other. But I mean, let's be honest, your path to victory, your past path to goat status has been much different. Yeah, I would say that any of the other champions of the Pro Stop Motorcycle category, if it's, if it's Andrew Hines, if it's Eddie Craywick, Angel, uh, Dave Schultz, John Myers, we build our own motors in-house. We do all of our own stuff. I drive my own truck. Uh, Angie helps me. I tune my own stuff. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm the racer. So going back to what you were talking about while I was sitting in the green room with Steve Torrance and all that, um, I think Steve is an awesome, awesome racer. Very good. He's well-deserved of what he's got going. You know, I don't know if he can pull the heads. I don't know if he can pull the pull right. the motor out of the, of the car. You know, I don't know that. Um, the only one I know in the nitro category that kind, kind of tunes and, and does that kind of stuff is, I think, Tim Wilson, maybe. That, that's a current driver. Um, but we do all that stuff ourselves, and I'm very proud to have five of these things now, and, you know, hopefully we can get more, you know. I look back at what we've done we've won three of the last four championships 
and maybe possibly could have won 19 if we didn't have a crankshaft break in the semifinals against Gianna. So um, we could have been four in a row just like Steve. What a moment that was, right? And it's crazy how things kind of come full circle now that we're going to talk about this in a moment, but you're, you're actually teaming with Scrappers Racing, Gianna Salinas and the gang, uh, her father, Mike, to bring them into the fold with you. And I want to talk about that because that's clearly been a pathway to success. Um, how motivated are you right now? I mean, you've accomplished a lot. You clearly want to accomplish more. But now to bring the Suzuki into the fold, are you excited about a new challenge there or you know, and obviously, do you feel like that's a, a leg up? Do you think that that's the direction that you need to go in order to get that sixth world championship and maybe best Andrew Hines or Dave Schultz some point in the future? Absolutely. Uh, really? NHRA um, gave the Suzuki's way too much. Uh, they've got a, a better cylinder head. They've got this fuel. Uh, they've, just, they've got so much what they had over what they had two years ago that it's unbelievable. And I think they're just starting to show it toward the end of the year. And if you if you threw my V twin out, they would have dominated this countdown. You know, uh, Steve Johnson won two races, Angel won two races, I won two. Um, it's just one of them deals, and that's why I'm going. We're building a Suzuki, and and I'm I'm so happy that Mike Salinas and Gianna and Jimmy Underdahl have teamed up with us uh, for for next year. Um, I want to help, and I want to make Gianna Salinas a top ten player in this in this in, in HRA Pro Stop Motorcycle. I think she's put the time in. She wants to be better, and that's my goal right now is to make her better and to get her running fast and that whole team running fast. Do you have like a particular like specific interest, Matt, in that teacher role? Because you've obviously had tremendous success with Angie, uh, Scotty. I mean, this has worked for you in the past. Is there something uh, that you get from that opportunity to kind of help someone? Uh, is that where does that stem from? What motivates that? Because you're going to have your freaking hands full. I mean, you always do. But my goodness, you, it's going to increase in 2022. But it seems to be a role that you're really comfortable in. Yeah, we always run three or four bikes, you know, all the time. And, and you know, so we're, we're just cutting the MSR rental program off for this year. Uh, Scotty's building a house, so it was a perfect time to do this and, and, and team up with Mike Salinas and the Scrappers team to run their two bikes, you know, out of our camp and out of everything. And, you know, really focus on trying to help both those riders become better riders and to get them wins. And, and that's our goal. That's our goal right now. We want to get the Scrappers team wins we want to make both other bikes a top 10 player along with my two bikes me and angie a top 10 and and really have a strong four bike team uh going in this countdown uh next year so i think that suzuki is going to be the way to do it and that's why we're building them right now we're building me one i'm not building angie one right now we're gonna we're gonna let her sail on the v twin for next year uh as it stands right now um but we are i will run whichever one's faster and I'm thinking 99.9% the Suzuki is going to be faster. So that's probably what I'm going to be on, you know, when, when I start next year. <laughs> I think that's awesome, man. I don't think we're too far away. And it sounds, to be honest, just like something I could hear your dad saying, right? <laughs> like, I don't care which one it is. Whatever one I think I can win on is the one I'm going to be on. I, I want to touch on uh, what you said there about the Suzukis. I mean, how much better do you really think they are? I mean, I guess we're going to find out, but... What are those bikes capable of? I mean, because you've clearly had a hot rod, but I mean, it does. I mean, if you're paying attention, they look like the the better choice. Yeah, I mean, uh, three Suzukis went 200. Uh, Karen went 200 finally at uh, at Pomona. So you have three Suzukis now that have gone over 200. 
Um, I would say you're going to see 660s next year out of Suzuki's. Um, we're going to dip into 660s. Uh, Holy crap. I think NHRA will end up putting weight on them. But I can tell you now with what I've seen already on the dyno, uh, if you ride it right, you tune it right, and you get everything right, they have 668, 60, 667 potential right now at 202, 203 right now. That is bonkers, Matt. To think about a motorcycle, that just is hard to really wrap my head around. Almost as hard as it was to wrap my head around seeing you fire that thing up and ride it back to the pits. We've seen that becoming like popularized by Erica Enders and company. Who encouraged you to do that and what kind of feedback did you get? Because for whatever reason, and I think it's just the sheer cool factor or whatever, but it's just so different. It's such a stark contrast to yesteryear when you know, race cars shut off on the top end, coast around, you're hooking them onto a golf cart or a Kawasaki Bayou and hauling them back to the pits, right? To see you fire that thing up and ride it back, it, watching you do it, I don't know who is following you. I'm assuming Angie or, or our friend Lisa Mickler from Denso Racing, uh, Denso Spark Plugs. I could just, I couldn't see your face, Matt, but I had to imagine you were smiling ear to ear because what a moment, right? The sun setting, like that was, that was special, right? Was it special to you? Oh, it tremendously special i mean you know and 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 to get back i mean eric anders has been doing this now for the last couple of years you know drive that b back you know i don't know if i can say the the b word on you can here, say whatever you want here just <laughs> so you that, know let's drive that bitch back that's what she puts on there um but we drove it back but you know i think my dad probably did it very first of anybody you know in 2007 when i won the championship my dad was there and he had never rode a motorcycle a pro stop motorcycle and he goes, crank this thing up after the winter circle. I'm like, what? He goes, crank it up. I'm going to drive it back to the trailer. I said, you're going to tear the transmission up. He said, well, you just won $75,000. You can fix it. So <laughs> we cranked it up and he drove it back, but he destroyed the transmission in that motorcycle, <laughs> you know, by the time he got back to the trailer. But he did it in 07 and he might've been the first one to do something like that, you know, back in the day. That is an awesome story, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Mike, Mike Salinas, it's no secret that the Scrappers uh, Racing Team, Matt, is a, is a well-financed operation. Mike's got a very successful business out on the West Coast. What's it do for you personally? You and Angie, you are people that earn your, your living, put food on the table by way of the sport of drag racing, and you have had some incredible partners over the year. But I have to believe a relationship like this maybe takes a little bit of the pressure off, at least on that side of the business. I mean, I don't mean to make assumptions, but is there, is there a part of that that feels good to just know that at least, I don't know what the arrangement is, but at 2022, you, y'all are set. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel real good about it. I mean, we, we talked and we gave him a good deal to come in here for the first year. Um, I think it'll be a multiple year deal when it's all said and done and, and we can in, improve that year to year. Um, but, but really, the goal is to just get Gianna uh, more comfortable on the bike, get them some power, um, and make their bikes faster and make them consistent and get them a top 10. And that's the goal right now. Of course, everybody wants to win, and everybody wants to win a championship. The problem is there can only be one champion in, 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 per year, and there can only be 15 or 16 race winners per year. So my goal is to – I want to get them a win in their camp, but I want them to be in the top 10 in points to run for a championship. And that's the goal right now. Even if they don't have a legitimate shot to win the championship, you know, after two or three races in the countdown, just making the top 10 is what my goal is to get them. And, and, and I think we can do that. And uh, the second goal is just to make Gianna a better rider. Um, she's a great girl, um, a great woman. Let me put it that way. And 
and hopefully we can make her a better rider and she has a lot of success and, and she looks forward to riding next year. It's going to be fun to see you guys put this whole operation together. As I said, you, this is nothing new to you, so I'm sure you'll be as successful as you always have been. Just take us through, you know, kind of closing notes here, Matt. And again, I hope you know how much we appreciate you taking time to join us this afternoon. I'm sure you guys are worn out, but uh, I would like to just know your kind of overall take on the 2021 drag racing season. Coming back from a pandemic year, we've got a new title rights sponsor. I mean, what was your just kind of 30,000 foot view on the 2021 season. Obviously you're looking back through the lens of a world championship, but I would just love to hear a little bit of your take on how things went. The fanfare we saw this year, we had a lot of sellouts. Uh, it, it just, what's your take on the state of affairs within the NHRA and how excited are you looking forward? Um, I look at this 2020, uh, 2021 season to be a success, you know, coming out of this pandemic from COVID and all that, uh, first off, I just want to, I want to say one thing to Billy Meyer, Billy Meyer stepped up and, and put on a show for, for, for our racers, the pro, four pro categories. And man, I'll tell you what, to get the money for him that he got to get to us racers, everybody knows that the racers have taken a hit over the last two years. We still have taken a hit all year long. All right. We still are not getting the money that we should be getting paid by NHRA. Uh, the money needs to get back to pre COVID. Um, but Billy Meyer, the one race this year, got that back to the racers to get. We got the full money that we we're supposed to get in before COVID and gave us more. So um, I wish more tracks would follow that suit. And, and we really got to get our racers back to making money um, or they're not. They're, we're just going to keep losing racers. So I think that's the biggest thing that that needs to happen in 2022 is we've got to get the purses back up. The racers have got to get paid the money. We've taken hits for two years. Last year was a big hit. This year was a hit. Not as bad. NHRA is getting fans in the stands. They're packing some of these races. You know, we need to get paid back like we should. Um, but hopefully uh, everything goes good and we get the purses back up and we can race next year like we need to. And, uh, you know, we raced every race this year. So that's, that's I'm glad of it. I don't think we had mask on at any race. I mean, maybe one race we had a mask on, but. Um, all in all, just thankful that, you know, we're back to, to getting back to normal. Well, thank you for that perspective. I was glad you brought up the Texas Stampede of Speed because that's honestly like it was kind of a polarizing event, right? I mean, you had people that seemed to love it, all the extra stuff. And I'm one of those people that loved it. I understand that maybe there's room for improvement and not everything they tried worked. But I know being in the tower and seeing you guys down on that saddle fighting over those big checks. It just, it was a cool moment in my opinion. And I think it drives home hearing you talk about it so emphatically, actually, Matt, really drives home the message that, man, we've got to take care of these racers. I know that nobody, I don't know that any of you guys expect to make a million dollars racing pro stock motorcycle. We don't, but, it, but you got to stop the bleeding, right? You got to make it at least kind of make sense. And you can see, I mean, you can hear it in your voice, Matt, how much of a difference that meant. So huge shout out to Billy Meyer, Andy Carter. Before we cut you loose, Matt, we want to we play this uh, and kind of just go through it with you, if you don't mind. We just have the final round here queued up, and I'd love to kind of go through this moment with you. He is the world champion for the fifth time in his career. Do you love a moment like this, Matt, where it's all on you, like right here, right now? Oh, yeah. I, I love the pressure. I mean, eight out of ten times, I, I don't I don't fold under pressure. Um, I, yeah, every now and then you'll have a mess up, but normally I'm pretty good under pressure. 
I'm ex especially excited for you to see this reaction. What a race, too, right? A classic drag race between two of the, the best to ever do it. Look at this reaction from your crew. Yeah. What, what's that group of people mean to you? Maybe that woman right there in particular. Oh, it's, it's awesome. I mean, I couldn't do this without Angie in the shop helping me build these motors and, and all that stuff. And she does so much in the shop that people don't know about. And, you know, we're the only two people in this thing, you know, working and, and, and taking care of all these bikes. So our crew guys, they fly in, you know, they have normal jobs everywhere else, but it's just me and Angie in the shop. And I think we do a really good job uh in this shop for what we put out there on that racetrack to show the fans and show everybody how good we do how matt, about this trip into the sand matt I, th I think matt just did that for like extra emphasis i was hoping you something. did no no i did not we actually <laughs> we actually had a brake pad that disintegrated as soon as i hit the brakes down there the <laughs> left pad he's waving yeah. he's, he played you playing this i know you did no I, no, I was so mad, you know, because I'm like, <laughs> now I can't even go race the next round. And and then the cameraman's up there. I look up and he's waving his hands at me, waving at me. <laughs> and I'm like, so I'll wave back at him. Then I just put up the five, you know, and it's like, so wow. I, I just happened to see him because he was waving his hands and I burnt my feet there a little bit. I saw you kind of, Alicia, my wife said, she goes, oh, he's got his boots off. He's got his shoes yeah. off. And I'm like, yeah, they're probably hot. Yeah, they were, they were hot. And then I had rocks all in them. So I just, I had to get them off to, to get up on the stage and, and get my feet cooled back down. But we, we come back, my, my crew did a phenomenal, Nate Kendrick, Michael Ray and Tommy McDonald. They all got that bike stripped apart and we had to take the bearings, every bearing out, every wheel. The wheelie bar wheels, the 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 sprockets, the, the wheels, the chain. We had to put a new chain on. We had to do all that stuff and get that thing ready in 25 minutes uh, to get back up and run Eddie. And uh, we ended up winning a race like that. So uh, that's, that's awesome, awesome. My, my crew guys. Pretty special, man. Matt, thank you so much. Congratulations, brother. We'll have to do this again. You're a, you're a hell of a good interview, man. And it's, uh, I, I will say it's kind of, you look familiar again. Glad we got that. <laughs> my, my dad, I'm surprised your, your pops didn't hold you down and cut that hair off. I was, was going to ask, what did Ricky think about that haircut? Uh, well, you know, it, it was just a simple fact of we was doing it for Lisa. Uh, she wanted me to grow the long hair out for all year long and just, you know, see what happens. And, uh, uh, once you win the first race of the year with long hair, you gotta you gotta roll with it. <laughs> I, th and, I think you pulled it off pretty well, man. dude. You did, man. You literally and, looked like you were from Huntington Beach. Yeah. And, and we won six races, the most I've ever won in a season, and we won our fifth championship. So I mean, it, it was good. And before I go, I'm gonna tell you this: when you get Steve on here, he's I don't know if you saw the picture, but he sat on my bike up there in the staging lanes, and he's like, "Man," he said, "I don't know how you do this." I said, "Well, let's do a ride swap sometime." I'll let you launch my bike and I'll let me launch your car. And he's like, man, I would not even crank this thing up sitting on it. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> yeah. So I always love that, man, especially like you, you've driven. I was going to mention this earlier, but I thought we'd get way off you know, topic here. But I mean, you've driven pro mod car. I mean, fast, competitively, one races one or of whatever. The, one of the quickest. You held the record for a time being, didn't you? As for the quickest pro mod. Pass? For a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. 350, 355, I think, over in Qatar yeah. for, for two years. Holy I, crap, I don't man. think many people realize that. No, Matt Smith, brother, you've done it the hard way, uh, but we couldn't be happier for you. You're an incredible ambassador for the sport of drag racing, uh, a, a class act. Congrats to you, Angie, Lisa Mickler, everybody at Denzo, all your yep. sponsors, man. Great we, group. Great Mark's, group of people, man. Mark, Mark Stocksith. Stocksith, yes. So. What a great guy he is, right? And a guy who does it 
for like all the right reasons, supports the sport of drag racing, supports a bunch of stars that our sport really needs out here. So yeah, big tip of the cap to Mark Stockseth. And he's actually a longtime uh, fan of the show. A couple of years ago, he went on, he bought me, how many did he buy, Mike? I think he bought 50 or 100, maybe 500 NHRA all access passes for us oh, to give right. away. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, go buy like a hundred or a couple of hundred of those and just give them away on the show every Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, that's a fantastic idea. I wonder if NHRA will give me a deal. And he's like, no, probably not. But here's my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> that's his it deal. Crazy. He's, he's behind the scenes. He doesn't want the, the uh, adulation and everything. He likes doing it from behind the scenes, right, Matt? Yeah, he's a super nice guy. And I mean, he's been with me since I started this team in 07. And I uh, uh, can't say enough about him. I mean, I, I really wish I miss him out here. He hasn't been out in the last two years, you know, because of Marshall uh, with all the COVID stuff. But uh, uh, I think his, he, his wife's a breast cancer fighter, a survivor, much like my mom. And that was actually the reason uh, that we got to know each other pretty quickly is that we're at my our, my mom and his wife are on the same medication. So it was kind of like an interesting thing. Not the funnest thing to like, you know, develop a friendship over. But it's been cool to see how many racers he helps and what he does for the sport. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him, Matt. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Well, hey, man, go enjoy some off time. I don't know if you, uh, the Smith family takes any time off. I've seen your dad fish once or twice, maybe go like out for ice cream once or twice. <laughs> I hope you take Angie out for a nice dinner. Do something fun, man. You guys uh, certainly deserve it. Yeah, we're going to uh, Florida for Thanksgiving, uh, oh, the whole deal. family. So uh, we're going to go down there and spend uh, a week down there and, and enjoy yourself. We'll do that, man. And I guess we'll see you back at Pomona here pretty dang quick. We won't be at Pomona, but we'll oh, be yeah. at Gainesville. Gainesville's Gainesville. our first race. Perfect, man. Thank you, brother. Talk soon. Thanks, Wes. Thanks, Mike, for having us on. Dude, those, he really is a fantastic no, he's interview, awesome, man. man. And he, I think we, it's important to shine a light on him and talk because it's just, I don't know, it just reminds me that so there's so many stories in drag racing, but there's a whole bunch of them that go on in pro stock motorcycle racing that admittedly oftentimes don't really get the, the attention that they deserve. You know well, what he I said, mean? He said that he hopes to achieve what his dad has, but he's a five-time <laughs> NHRA pro stock motorcycle world champion. I mean, Ricky is badass, but uh, I think, like you said, Ricky's pretty proud of what he's done. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the, the time has come to uh, go back to talking about uh, four wheels, uh, four wheels and two doors. Uh, we will shortly be joined by the one and only Greg Anderson. Mike, I just want to dive into this whole situation a little bit. I don't know that we're uh, maybe as appreciative as appreciative to the drag racing gods as we should be. We saw our buddy, longtime friend of the show, friend of drag, illustrated Greg, Greg Anderson, make it five, secured the 2021 NHRA Pro Stock World Championship with a dominating performance, mind you. Absolutely cleaned house out there in California. It came down to a semifinal round matchup with uh, Erica Enders, longtime rivalry on the track. It's been a fun storyline to follow, a great narrative. I've argued that it has completely stolen the show the last few seasons. Well, I think it's, it's rejuvenated, Craig. And I think you even admitted that. I think that, like you talked about on our show and in other outlets, that having the young guns um, that have infiltrated Pro Stock and Erica, which is a, a heated rivalry, but just the competition between them has rejuvenated him. And he had the most fun this year 
of any year. We're going to talk about great, that I because I think thing. it's uh, it, it really is worth mentioning. I want to take everybody through, and I do believe we've got the clip so we can go through it with Greg here in just a little bit. But the door seemed ever so slightly opened there in that semifinal round matchup. Greg was a little uncharacteristically late, 072 against Erica. They're 22 and 21, but Greg made it 23 and 21. Uh, Erica shook early, drove through it. I thought that was actually pretty impressive. A lot of times you see those runs abandoned. You know, that was a a pretty impressive moment in itself. But she didn't have the red Camaro, didn't have enough to catch the soon to be crowned champion. Mike probably had too much They were, I mean, they knew they had to load up to go after Greg. If you're not getting off the line on Greg this year, you're not getting him. So I'm sure they I was going to touch on that a little bit. I mean, if you look at some of these stats, and again, I want to shout out Josh Hatchett and Brandon Mudd for compiling so much of this, but qualified number one, ladies and gentlemen, at 12 of 17 races. He had five wins this season, his 99th coming in Dallas, which allowed him to pass Warren Johnson and become Pro Stock's winningest driver. This is another interesting uh, tidbit. He led the points all season long, and he was our only 2021 champion to do so. In all these other categories, top fuel, funny car, pro stock bike, it was a dance all season long. Someone getting out front and someone snatching it away from him. Not at all the case with Greg Anderson, who led the championship points wire to wire. And start even to from our race in Orlando before Gainesville, that he, he came out with the, the car to beat there as well. I mean, these guys, they, they've, been, they've been on a roll all year. They have, and it does uh, seem noteworthy what you just mentioned a few minutes ago, Mike. Greg, having said earlier this year that he was having the most fun that he'd ever had. I mean, he's got his hands full. He said in that quote, if I'm if I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here, and I hope I don't butcher it, but he's got his hands as full as they've ever been. He's busier, perhaps, than he's ever been at the racetrack, but he's having the most fun he's ever had. And I find that particularly interesting because we're talking about a guy, and I, brace yourself. If you're watching in on YouTube or Facebook, and I want to remind you guys, click like, click subscribe. Uh, Make sure you are helping us spread the gospel of drag racing by clicking that share button. It makes a huge difference for us, and I appreciate it. But brace yourself for this, ladies and gentlemen. This is a guy who in 2004 won 15 races. (laughs) He won 15 of them. He had 76 round wins. It's arguably was in that. I think that was in the, uh, uh, in the, what was it, the GXP? In 2004, or was it in, still in the in the Grand Dam? I think it was in the Grand Dam in 04. Yeah. The GXP the came a little later than that. Yeah, yeah the flamed up Grand Dam. I mean, that Dam, car but, dominated. Dude, that could be argued as the like most dominant. My brain. The most dominant performance, perhaps, in NHRA drag racing yeah. history in all categories. So to hear him say that he's had as much fun this year as he ever has had, I think was a little bit special. And I, and I do say, you know, Greg Anderson, Pro Stock Mount Rushmore, winningest driver in NHRA Pro Stock history, five-time NHRA Pro Stock champion. He's got his, he's etched in stone on the side of a mountain, Mike. Do do you agree? And his career before he ever got behind the wheel of one of these things. I mean, no doubt about it, man. To have that kind of a footprint, to have made that kind of a mark out here, we're going to have this debate. We don't have the time to do it right now, but I don't care who you are. Bob Glidden, I believe. I think the- gotta go on there. Bob Glidden on there. Let's just do it. Let's just do the Mount Rushmore right now. Okay, because we're going to piss off a whole bunch of people. But uh, I guess we could go ahead. Uh, Well, I'm going to tell you. Well, it's easy. I think it's it's pretty pretty straightforward. It's pretty easy, man. Bob Glidden, Warren Johnson, Greg Anderson, and I think that fourth spot is 
Lee Shepard. Um, uh, I don't think Lee Shepard goes. Erica Enders, Jed Coughlin. What are we There's talking about? Jed Coughlin Jr. Um, I think us, Erica. Give us, your, give us your feedback. Who's on the fourth spot on the Mount Rushmore? I think that those three – uh, it's pretty those hard. First it's three pretty hard are, to debate those forward. first three. Yeah, you're gonna, you're really gonna have a hard time uh, arguing those first three. Give us your fourth right now in the comments. Yeah, we'd love to hear as, from as, everybody. As I we love bring getting Greg these, on. Uh, we'll talk to Greg about this, but tell us what you guys think. Because I love getting these conversations started. It feels like sometimes we're the only people in the sport that are willing to say these things because. I guess maybe we're not afraid to get beat up at the racetrack next time, but uh, it might happen one of these days, but I do think it's a fun yeah, conversation to have catch a, just a hook out of nowhere. Yeah. Of your pro stock. Oh, I mean, no, Bill grumpy Jenkins. I mean, look at some of the commentary we're getting out here. No, I for appreciate sure. grumpy. I said grumpy uh, when we were debating this internally, I had, I had those three and I had grumpy. It's tough because I think Erica can make an argument just for the historical significance think, of being a woman and a class that very few women have had success in, if, if any other than her. I mean, it's significant that next year Camry Caruso will be just the second full-time female on the Pro Stock Tour. So it's, it's, a, it's a fun conversation to have. And I tell you what, there's probably uh, no better person to throw in the mix when we're having this conversation than the guy we're talking about himself. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike, help me give him a round of applause, the one and only the man of the hour, five-time, count them, one, two, three, four, five world championships, the one and only Greg Anderson. What's up, brother? Oh, thanks. Good afternoon. What's up, Greg? What's guys? going on, man? I love the way all of our guests are starting to get badass backdrops. I mean, yeah. we're, we're training up. folks up to have, you better have a studio, right? <laughs> and drag racing now, you got to have a dino room and you better have a freaking studio. What's going on, brother? Or have you? Uh, I guess you're back home out on the the East Coast, Mooresville, North Carolina. What, what's the last couple days been like, my friend? Well, they've been pretty uh, pretty low key, to be honest with you. I'm still kind of kind of smiling. My trucks are not back yet, so don't have much to work on just yet. But but uh, man, we're all happy. We're all we're all we're all relieved. It's over. We're all happy. We uh, life is good right now. I, I gotta admit, it was a heck of a weekend, and, and uh, we finished it off with a bang. And, uh, you know, could have gone either way for sure. And it went our way this time. So I'm thanking my lucky stars. No doubt about it. Had a little help from the, the big guy up above, but he shined on me this time. And, and here we are, five-time world champion. So pretty cool. Been a long break for me, but it's good to be back. I was going to touch years, on that. Right, 11 Greg? years, right? I mean, that's unbelievable, the, the time stretch. I, I think most people would be surprised to hear that it's been that long. I had some heartbreak at that place, at Pomona. You know, I love that place. I, it, it's a it's a great place to race and, and so much history, and it's just a great vibe out there. But I've had some crushing, some crushing finals out there in the, in the past. I've lost championships by three points and seven points, and and just left my heart on the ground out there before. So it's it's been cruel to me, but it was certainly not cruel to me this weekend. It was uh, it shined on me and, and uh, showed me why I love the place so much. We've labored over this a little bit, uh, Greg, and I'm sure you heard us talking about it a little bit in the green room. You've said time and time again this year that this was maybe the most fun you've ever had. And I'm just curious, what made it that way? I mean, watching, I mean, it's obviously, I mean, you, you won the championship, you're winning races, you're qualifying number one. But, and I'm just from the outside looking in, I saw, I see Cody Anderson, your son, doing this with your son, doing this with the family, your wife losing her mind down there on the starting line when you're going through the, the finish lines uh, traps. Is that part of it? Not to say that they haven't been a part of it for a long time, and I've seen Cody for a long time, but it just, when I saw the camera focus on them and I thought about, here's a guy that's had all the success in the world, 
but he's saying that he's having more fun than ever. I can't help but tie those two things together. Greg, is there any truth to that belief? Well, there's certainly a lot of truth. There's a lot of things that go into that, that what I said about having more fun. What, what started it for me was probably like last year, you know, going through 2020 and, and honestly not knowing when and if we're going to race again. And, you know, then my longtime sponsor summit pulls way back and, and the financial end of it comes crashing down and you're trying to figure out if you'll ever get a chance to get in a race car again. And then we start the season and we, we scrape by for a few events with different, different sponsors on the side of the car, different, uh, you know, great partners of ours, vendors of ours that offer to help out, but really we're on, on a shoestring and, and, then the big break came and, and Mr. Hendricks stepped in and, and jumped on the side of the car for the rest of the year. And, you know, that right there, just to get a new life again, a new lease on racing and, and, and be able to keep going. I really realized that you, there's no guarantee that you'll be able to do this in the future. You know, there's no guarantee you'll be able to do it next year or the year after the year after. So you better live and you better enjoy every minute of it. And, and at the same time, I, I, for whatever reason, my guys, I you know, I don't know if anybody knows the real story on the race car I have, but it's it's actually not KB Racing's race car. It belongs to Dave Kramer. It belongs to Derek and Dave Kramer. It was the car they raced a couple of years ago, and the car I was in, I was struggling with, and we struggled hard, and and we uh, we begged begged Dave Kramer to he was building a new car, and we begged him to borrow me that car. I, I wanted to try a different car and see if it was a car problem or what it was. And he was gracious enough to give me the car he had that had been running real well and working well. And he built a new one. And honestly, ever since we got that car, we took off. We, we, wow. uh, we found the sweet spot with it and, and the car took off running. And it's been, it's been absolutely bad to the bone ever since I've had that race car. So you don't get to uh, number one, you don't win world championships without trying new things, right? Stepping outside of your comfort zone a little bit. I'm just curious. I didn't expect you to say that. Shout out to the Kramers, uh, some really great folks, some fine folks that do a ton for the sport of drag racing. I didn't expect that. I didn't know that, to be honest with you, Greg. Was what was the struggle? I mean, were you guys trying some new things? Trying? I mean, had you made some anything significant that you can that you can share with us? You know, not really. It just for wow. some reason I couldn't figure out the car that we had we'd been running, and, and and I struggled and I struggled, and I just couldn't win. And and we could make it run fast on occasion, but it just didn't like Sundays. It it, <laughs> uh, it struggled with the racetrack on Sunday, as everybody knows. The racetracks are always a little bit different when you go up and follow behind the fuel cars and. You know, you have to make changes and you have to have a car that's got a big tuning window. And for whatever reason, that car just didn't seem to have a big tuning window or else it was the way I drove. I have no earthly idea. But we tried and we tried and we tried. And I, I told my crew chief, Rob Downing, for a long time, I need to try a different car. And he kept saying, oh, I think the car's fine. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And honestly, it, it, we, we stayed in it too long. We didn't make a move soon enough, but when we finally did, we took off. And, and uh, I've got a car now that you've seen it all year. It's been it's been mean right since the start of the season, and it's it's really not had a racetrack it didn't like. And, and it saved us best for last. It was by far the best it had even been all year at Pomona there. It was just incredible at Pomona. So it uh, it, it was a blessing in disguise, and, and we probably waited too long to make a move. But once we did, we uh, we took off. Well, before we, I want to, well, actually, I'm just going to kind of forego some of my scripted questions, whatever. Um, <laughs> what, what do you point to there? Because you've, you've been heads and, I mean, let's be honest. If we looked at all the championships that were decided this year and you had to pick who deserved it based on the performance of the car, right? 
you guys have, like you said, you've had the baddest hot rod on the property since the onset. What do you point to there? I mean, Jason Lyon being home uh, at the shop through the week, is that a difference maker? You mentioned Rob Downing, great guy, and a name that's not heard enough, in my opinion, out here. Uh, what do you point to to be the difference maker to provide that performance in 2021? I'm going to say that's definitely helped. You know, it, it's made it tough at the racetrack without Jason being sure. there because, you know, with all our rental cars that we have, all the team cars and rental cars, Jason pretty much took care of all the EFI tuning on those. And, and all I had to do was worry about my own car. And then when he stepped back this year, then I had to take over all the rental cars as far as the tuning plus my own car. So it's made it very hectic at the racetrack for me this year. And, and there's been times where you just flat don't have enough time to, to do all of them. But at the same time, with him staying home, and, and I've said this for years, you know, our race shop, our race team is is one of those that when we pack up and go to a race, we pretty much pack up the whole team and go to a race. And that shuts down our engine department. That shuts down pretty much of our R&D department and our 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 engine work at home. And so and that's a lot of time that you spend on the road. So obviously with him staying home this year, that that made it like more some of the more so like some of the other teams that most of their engine department doesn't go on the road with them and they're able right. to keep digging, keep building, you know, engines and power when we're gone racing. So that helped tremendously. And, you know, we brought on Dave Connolly a year or so ago to help out Rob Downing. And they they together this year, without a doubt, have gelled and, and have been fantastic. They make the calls on every car that we, we have under my trailer. They're the three cars, Dallas Glenn's car and Kyle Koreski's car, my car. The three of those are the two of those guys make the calls on, on all three cars. And, and they've, they've hit a rhythm. They, they've figured each of the three cars out, which, which car wants what. And they are all slightly different. But between the two of them, you know, they, they've really gelled as a pair. And you know, the, the, the two crew chiefs are at a high, uh, operating at a high all year, too. So we, it, we, we mentioned it. this briefly with Matt Smith, with the news breaking that he was going to be bringing Gianna Salinas under his uh, umbrella there for 2022. I want to talk about this with you, and I'm getting off script here again. Talk about new driver development, right? What can you say Dallas Glenn named NHRA Rookie of the Year absolutely deserve to win that title. I think Kyle Koretsky is an equally incredible story in 2021. I remember watching that young man do his first burnout down at Orlando. And I knew the moment, not, you know, not to be a try to play expert, but you can tell coming out of the water, that thing like tickled the rev limiter came back. I mean, throttle control staged the car just seemed to be completely in tune with what was going on around him. What, what is, what do you make of that, Greg, your, your involvement in that? I'm sure Jason Lyons had an involvement in that Dave Connolly, Rob Downing. Do you guys just have a penchant for teaching people how to do this stuff? You know, it, it's kind of funny because Dallas basically needed no teaching. <laughs> he's, he's, I guess he's been around, he's worked on the team for, for, you know, I don't know how many years now, five, 10 years. And he, he's learned every bit of the car. He can work on anything. He does everything here at the shop. He's a great kid. He, he doesn't stop working. He's got a great attitude. Never, never seen him mad. And he just, I guess he's paid attention and he, he bracket races all the time, you know, so he knows he's been in a lot of different cars and, and he jumped in one of these, like he'd been driving one for 10 years. So yes, we really did. had no, you know, no, no need to teach him anything. And, and quite honestly, Kyle, we didn't have to do a whole lot there either. He had a wow. lot of natural talent and driven a lot of cars too. So, you know, I'd like to take the credit for the both of them. And quite honestly, I think the, the biggest credit I can take is staying out of their way. You know, I, I didn't have to do a lot and I didn't have to get in their way. And, you know, it, it's like everybody's got their own kind of way that they like to do things. And Dallas yes, certainly sir. has a different way of driving. And he's pretty much shown everybody how you 
you leave the starting line. So, yeah. you know, I, I try to do some of the things he does. Doesn't work for me. And I'm sure if I try to teach him to do what I do, it wouldn't work for him. So you got to let these guys fly on their own, let them figure it out on their own. And as long as they figure it out, don't get in their way, you know, and, and I've been fortunate with the both of them. I haven't had to interject too much. It's amazing, man. You won a title a week after Kyle Larson wins one in NASCAR, right? We got the Hendrix.com logo on both on the side of both of these hot rods. I, I would love to hear a little bit about your conversation with Mr. Hendrick. I mean, did you any did you feel any pressure? Did you did you feel some additional pressure to double up for the guy? I mean, what a moment, right? And I think it did a service for the sport of drag racing just to have that happen and kind of get be guilty by association, right? For our whole sport. Well, it was it was certainly the coolest thing ever for it to turn out like that. But you know, I I watched Kyle. We were home that weekend, so I watched Kyle win his deal, and and it was looking for quite a while there like it wasn't going to happen. And I was thinking, you know, he's had the baddest car all year. He's been, he's been the best team all year, the baddest car all year, and it comes down to one last race like this, and he's going to lose the whole deal. What a shame! And then they they bailed him out on that last pit stop, and they got the title. And, and then they had a big event over at over at the Hendrick headquarter on, on a Thursday afternoon before I jumped on a plane for Pomona. And I went over for that and uh, it was a cool, cool event. And, you know, a lot of people around, a lot of, a lot of TV cameras around, a lot of very important people around. Obviously Kyle was there and Mr. And Mrs. Hendrick were there and all the, the, the head engine builders and all the engine builders they have over there. And, and most of the whole team was around and, and they had a great, great inspirational send off for me. You know, they, they obviously congratulated Kyle and they were still on cloud nine, but they had a great send off for me. It was almost like a, you know, attending a high school pep rally before <laughs> he headed to the, to the football game. That's awesome. So, but he did absolutely tell me, you know, I, I presented him a couple of trophies that we had won during the year. I gave him the 97th and 98th uh, win trophies because those were the first two I got, you know, together with him with the HendrickCars.com on the side of the car. So I gave him those two trophies and he looked at me and said, this is, uh, this is quite an honor. But I want that big one from this weekend, and uh, don't bother coming home without it. No pressure, but don't bother coming home without it. So, yeah, he certainly liked to add the pressure. He likes to win. He's a great guy, but uh, make no mistake, he wants to win. So uh, it was a great relief to get it done this weekend, and it was kind of – I felt the same story as Kyle Larson. We had the what I felt was the best car all year, but it still came down to one last race, and, and you had to find a way to be the best at that last race or – the whole season really went down the drain and, and somehow we, we pulled it out and, and uh, you know, everybody, everything went our way. We got the breaks we needed and everything went our way. And, and here we are a five-time champion. And, and Mr. H is, uh, he's living life right now. He's looking like the, the genius this year for putting that Hendrick.com on both those cars. And he's uh, he is a genius. He is a smart man. And, and uh, he pulled off quite a, quite a feat this year. I get feisty mad, Greg, when I think about someone such as yourself not having a sponsor or wondering what the future holds. I mean, I, I probably shouldn't take it as personally as I do, but it bothers me. Uh, it, it drives me crazy. I'm hoping, I don't mean to put pressure on you to make some sort of an announcement right now, but I mean, are we looking good for 2022 to see that Hendrick.com, uh, HendrickCars.com logo on the side of Greg Anderson's hot rod? Well, let's just say I feel very, 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 very positive about it, Wes. I, I can't put it in, in print yet, but... Yes, I feel very positive about it. Well, and, and, and we, thank we all God. agree on one thing. I was on the phone with him a little while ago, and he's like, I, I just I can't believe how good that car looks. <laughs> you, you realize how special that scheme is to me anyway, because that was Ricky's that was his son Ricky's last scheme, you know, before we lost him in that plane crash. And and, and I said, Man, your kid 
did a hell of a job designing that scheme because it it pops. It's the best looking car out there, and I know I'm biased, but I swear it pops better than any any paint scheme out there. And it, it just uh, is an eye catcher. And not only in that. Check this photo I got of it. Where's it at? Uh, the, when it was going through, where's this at? JT, it's one. It's gonna. It doesn't fit with what we're talking about. But that shot of it with the shoots out. It is a good-looking son of a bitch. It's a good-looking I mean, ride, isn't it? Yeah, yep. it's it's a good-looking hot rod, man. Um, so that's great to hear, and I hope. I mean, it's so important, and I'm I'm personally grateful because it's so important to our sport that we have ambassadors such as yourself out here competing at a high level. The last thing we could ever have happen is someone such as you uh, find yourself on the sidelines due to sponsorship support. It just it 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 baffles me. And huge shout out to, I don't know Mr. Hendricks, but I tell you what, I'm a huge fan, always have been for a long time. And I appreciate his support of you looking out uh, to 2022 and, and talking about the future a little bit. Um, is it, is it easy? I mean, how is it, is it hard to stay motivated for, I mean, for a guy like you, it doesn't seem like it really is, but you did talk about how Eric kind of re Erica kind of relit that fire I mean, now does that uh, fire burn bright trying to defend your crown? I mean, are you looking forward to the opportunity to maybe not let 10, 11 years pass between uh, sealing the deal? It, 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 it's just the feeling you get when, when, when you finally achieve that, man, it's the best drug in the world, Wes. There, there's nothing like it. And, and yes, it's been 10, 11 years. Like I probably forgot. I forgot how great a feeling it is wow. and, and just what it means to win a world title like that. It, it's the coolest thing in the world, and it's why we do it. And, and one other benefit you get from it, this entire shop back here, including me, everybody will be wearing a smile all winter and they'll absolutely be working harder than they ever have because they're feeling good. They're, they're happy. They're confident. They're, they're excited about it. So it, it pays dividends, man. It's a steamrolling deal and it'll make things better. And, and yes, she's got a lot to do with, you know, the fire that, that, that burns inside of me. And I think that both her and I got to admit, we're probably feeling almost a little bit lucky and a little bit like we dodged the bullet. We dodged all these young guys this year because I can think of back a few months and I know I thought it, I bet she probably did too, that either one of us could lose this deal to any one of these young cats. I mean, name oh, Aaron Stanfield looks so good and, ha- I mean, and, and still does Dallas, Boy, obviously Troy junior Dallas, Kyle, and the, uh, the, the McGaha kid, uh, Mason McGaha. And the list goes on and on. Any one of those kids, could have won the world championship this year. So I, I think I'm thanking my lucky stars that it did just come down to myself and Erica, that we, we dodged that young train coming through. So that, that's one year we did. I don't know how many years we can hold them off because they're incredible, but it uh, feels awful good to, to get it done and, and hold off the young guns and, and basically have it down to, to myself, come down to myself and Erica. That's, I, I guess, probably more than we could ask for. It's an incredible thing, and I'm, I feel lucky to have gotten to watch it. Unfortunately, we've got the clip right here, and I kind of want to go through this with you, if you don't mind. Um, what a special moment. I mean, really, Brian Lone said it well. I mean, if, if you care about Pro Stock Drag Racing, this is the moment we all live for, right? One round for all the marbles. You mentioned it earlier. I mean, do you like these moments? Matt Smith told us he feels like he lives for the moments when it's all on him. Do you, do you share that kind of feeling? Yes, I, I do. Absolutely said it many times in the past. I don't want somebody else to have to do my work for me. I want to handle it myself. Either way, whether you lose or whether you win, you want it in your own hands, no doubt. Did you ever see her, Greg? I was scared to death to look over. <laughs> I, I, I never want to look before the finish line because I just real quick. Let's pause it. Let's pause it real quick. I, I think uh, I mentioned this earlier, but I think it's what do you when you watch this. 
and you look back at that sea of folks behind you, what do you think about? Well, you know, it's kind of funny because when you're in the car, you don't really see much of that. You don't feel much of it. You're just trying to do your job. You're trying to focus on the racetrack. And after it's all done, my wife and, and, and everybody, everybody on the team's like, you have no earthly idea how nervous we all were on the starting line. I mean, we're, we're all ready to throw up basically on the starting line. And I'm like, well, I can tell you 100% it's much better on the inside of the car than the outside of the car because we don't necessarily feel all those nerves. There I mean, look at Cody right here. Watch yeah. this. I mean, here we go. I mean, he's, I mean, he's all but dancing, yeah. right? Incredible moment, man. No games. Was that exactly what you expected? Yeah. Clean drag race? Yeah, I was just... It was great to see some emotion, some raw emotion out of you, man. I love those in-car cameras. I don't think we honestly get enough of those shots. I love to see uh, some honest-to-God reaction and emotion from drivers. World champion hat on his head, Greg Anderson, in the year that you now hold the most wins in pro stock history, you pick up your fifth championship. What do you want your mark on this sport to be? You know, I don't know that I, I need to leave a mark. I just... I want to do the best job I can out here. First of all, I'm just the luckiest man in the world to be able to do this. Do you realize how lucky we are to be able to do what we do? It's the coolest sport Amen. in the world. It's the coolest job in the world. And I have been associated with the greatest people for the last 20 years, and that's why I'm here. I'm not here because of me. I'm here because of all those people, all this great race team, Ken Black, all my great team. They're so good. How bad was my car today? It's just incredible. I mean, nobody could have screwed that up, I don't think. So uh, thank the Lord I didn't. And... Uh, Thank you to HendrickCars.com. Rick, whew, you put the pressure on me last week, buddy, when Kyle won, and we had a little get-together there on Wednesday and Thursday, and you told me, you know what? Bring that trophy home, buddy, or don't come home. Guess what? I'm bringing it home to you, buddy. Congratulations. So thank you, and thank you, Chevrolet. Thank you, Summit, for all these great years. They're still around, and thank you to all the competition. That's what makes it so great, and that's what makes us feel so good because the competition is absolutely incredible. Of course, I wanted to watch this uh, video with you, but you kind of set us up a fantastic segue. It wasn't that long ago, Greg, that we were talking about, you know, what's going to happen with ProMod or ProStock, excuse me. Everybody was kind of freaking out. Then there was the, the, the schedule change. We go from 24 races to 18. By all accounts, ProStock, NHRA ProStock is the most stable, healthy category the NHRA has right now. What do you tie that to here and now? Well, I mean, that, that, that absolutely is... We had one foot in the grave, no doubt about it. And, and you know, we had to put our heads together. Uh, obviously, our team and, and, and the Elite Motorsports team and all the rest of the teams, the Magaha teams, all the rest of the teams in the class had to put our heads together and figure something out. And, and basically, we all came to the conclusion that every one of us had to do our part to to find a way to get more racers to the track. So on our end of it and, and Richard's end of it, we basically – you know, called around and, and, and offered engines and cars and everything at a dirt cheap lease price just to get cars to go to the racetrack. And, and we started that way and, and obviously got a lot of interest that way, got a lot of people involved. We also took it to the next level where we weren't just going to rent a car to somebody to go out and show with and in place with. They were able, going to be able to go out and win races and beat us. And that's the toughest part of the whole deal to swallow all those years of 
focusing on yourself. Everything you could do to make my car the fastest I could make it and and make me win. That's the focus we had here at KB Racing for all those years, Jason Line and myself. That's all we had to worry about was our two cars. And and then when we, you know, brought on these, these extra cars, we had to bite the bullet and decide they had to run just as fast as ours and they had to have just as good a chance of winning and beating us as anybody else. And that's the decision we made. That's the decision that, you know, Richard and the elite team made, and that's what's created the success in this class. And that's, you know, you saw Bo Butner win a championship. You've seen many other people capable of winning races and championships. And, and you didn't have that five years ago. You didn't have that 10 years ago. And all these new young guns coming into sport nowadays, they're jumping into equipment that can go right out and win a race and want go right out and win a championship. So, you didn't have that 10 years ago when I jumped into or when anybody else started out. You started off, you begged, borrowed, or stole for anything in an engine, anything in a car, and you hope to qualify. And if you qualify, then you hope to go around. And it's not like that anymore. So we, we completely changed the, the outlook of the class, and it's great right now. And, and that's why. So I guess we got to take a little bit of credit for that. And, uh, you know, we just I think there's something for everybody to learn from it, to be honest, Greg. I mean, I think the NHRA as a whole could likely learn from that. Just a a newfound kind of take on this. And I think the Torrances, in a lot of ways, have kind of adopted that as well. And they've done that on Mm -hmm. their own merit, you know, to try to make sure some of these other teams are successful. But it really and I want you to know, we appreciate it. There's a lot of us, you know, I watch my dad, my dad. I grew up watching my dad, you know, they're chasing the pro stock dream. Pro stock was basically it was like church to us. I mean, it was all we thought about. It was a religion. And uh, guys like you, Richard Freeman, uh, everybody that's been involved in this kind of newfound approach to pro stock, we owe you all a debt of gratitude for keeping factory hot rod racing alive. I've got one last thing for you, and I'm sure you haven't had a lot of time to think about it. You've been busy winning a world championship with all the that we just explained, everything that's great that's happening in pro stock drag racing specifically what's your take on nhra's factory experimental class i mean do you think is that a sign of things to come or what what is your kind of take on that uh, new division well it, honestly Wes, they caught me a little off guard with that one i didn't know anything about it I, I i had no idea it was coming so i'm still trying to get my fingers around it grasp it and, and think about what it all means obviously i don't want to do anything that that hurts what we've created here in the pro stock class it, it took a heck of an effort to get it where it's at. So I don't want to see that hurt. And I hope it doesn't hurt it going forward, but we'll see, I guess. I, I just, I'm not sure what side of the fence to get on yet. I'm awful proud of what we've done as, as a group here in this class. And I hate to see, you know, go down the tubes. I hate to see that go to waste. So I don't think it will. I think we got a great thing going. And I think that, you know, there's, there's room for more classes and who knows, maybe we'll be a part of that someday, but I really haven't had that much time to, to just think about what it means and, and you know what it what it should should all be about. But maybe it's the coolest thing ever. I don't know. I'm not going to say anything negative about it yet. Or you know it's the greatest thing ever. I don't know. I, I got to figure it out yet. I feel much the same, man. I appreciate the candor because that's. I think there's so many of us that kind of took a step back and go, "Hey, look, sounds cool on paper. That's fantastic." But let's not lose sight of the fact that we've got something really special happening right now in front of us. And I just, I would hate to see pro stock lose any momentum and uh, Hey man, it's congratulations. Thank you so much, Greg, for being here. Uh, You're a fantastic guest. I say it all the time. We got to get you in front of a camera more often. I look forward to uh, being able to watch you make more history in 2022. And I hope we'll be see you in PRI. Do you, are you a PRI goer? Do you do the trade show scene? Yeah. I'm going to be up there on Thursday and Friday. 
All right, well, come to our party for Thursday night. You'll have a big time, I promise. Have I got an invite? Okay. You've got it. You're, you're locked in, brother. You're locked in. All right. Bring the whole crew. Tell everybody hello. And Speaking, uh, of, speaking of party invites, Greg, are we, are we doing a party in Mooresville, a championship party? I've already talked to Cody about this. So we are definitely going to do a party, but, but I might need a couple more days to recover. We, we <laughs> okay. Might, have, might overindulge Sunday night. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't recover quite as fast as I used to, I guess, but we're definitely going to do a party back home here, Mike. All right. Cody's keeping me posted. Yep. He better, man. Well, hey, Greg, seriously, thank you so much for taking some time out of your Wednesday to spend with us here at uh, Drag Illustrated, the West Buck Show. We surely appreciate it, and we, we could send you our uh, heartfelt congrats, man. It's been an awesome thing to watch. Uh, kick ass from start to finish, brother. Be safe. Thank Thanks, you very man. much, guys. Congratulations, really Greg. It. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you, buddy. Dude, we're plowing right through this, Mike. Oh, I yeah. feel like we're keeping pace. We're like, we're not Dude, jacking I was around a whole we were lot. going through this earlier today. I thought we were going to do like a six-hour show. Well, uh, I'm prepared. You know, I'll do what we got to do. Yeah. I'm out here. Hey, JT, JT, are you good for a six-hour show? Oh, I knew it was coming. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not doing six hours. We'll have this bad boy wrapped up. It ain't over this yet. Good. It ain't over yet. We're, I mean, in all fairness, we we do have a long way to go, ladies and gentlemen. I want to I do a little bit of housekeeping here, guys, so bear with me. Um, hey, gang, remember that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is made possible by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top-quality racing safety equipment from drag shoots and seat belts to fire suits gloves and blankets all 100 made in america so log on to stroudsafety.com and make sure you tell them we sent you i also want to remind you we did through all these friends and racers the west buck show is brought to you by the team at elite high performance elite hp the world leader in used race cars racing engines parts and tools located in fort worth texas elite hp is operated by real deal drag racers with over 100 years of combined racing experience who can steer you in the right direction for all your racing needs whether it's a turnkey pro mod or a set of projects check out their inventory at elitehp.com we uh we got a lot to cover, Michael. We got a lot to do in, a, in an hour or so, but I think that it's worth uh, having a little bit of a, a preface, right? Yeah. Let's preface Let's this a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go through this and blow through some of these stats, man, because I think they're going to they're gonna blow gonna your mind, guys. Yep. Um, pull these stats up. Steve Torrance earns his fourth straight title. Top Fuel Titans reign over drag racing's highest level continues. Locked it up in the first round, as I said a little earlier in the show. Not to, not quite the shuffling around that we saw in Funny Car and and uh, Pro Stock and Pro Stock Bike. Steve Torrance and the Capco Boys locked things up in that first round of eliminations. And I got to tell you, this is where this conversation is headed, Mike. Where's Steve Torrance in the GOAT conversation? Where is this young man at in the greatest of all time conversation? You're talking about four straight NHRA Top Fuel Championships, a 60-9 and nine Win loss round record in 2021. Loss deal just blows my mind because you, you don't lose, do that. You, you lose, lose a lot in more drag than racing. you win in drag racing. Just as a as a rule. Well, except for Steve except Torrance, for apparently. Steve Torrance, you know, I mean, whose, it's kind of record looks like the '96 Bulls. I mean, it's like it's, it's exactly crazy. how it looks. Seriously, pull like pull up some of these stats. I mean, we talked about it earlier. He's one shy of Antron Brown in terms of career wins. I mean, I got to say, I think he's within, I mean, he's within striking distance. G Tony Schumacher's got eight world titles, 85 wins. If uh, Steve Torrance, if his next five years look anything like the last five years, he's 263 and 59 yeah, since the, 2017. The efficiency and the, the short amount of time that it's taken him to get these, amass these numbers and to close the gap on some of these legends of the sport, I think is the, 
scary part for anybody that it, it currently holds those records and see sees him coming in the rearview mirror. It, to me, it's just a matter of how long he, he plans to do it, which, of course, if we talk to him, he's going to say he's going to do it till the day he dies or something. But it's just uh, how long does he plan to to keep after this? I would say when you've had the, the the success at the clip that he's had, it probably motivates him to stay after it until he eclipses those records. I would be devastated. I've actually already told a multitude of people that he is going to beat all those records, so I need him to kind of hold it down for me, to be honest. I mean, and if you think about it, Schumacher's best five-year stretch, again, shout out to Josh, was 265 and 71, and that was with more races, right? That's with two. That's with 24 races. So, I mean, he's he's in that... He's in that he's doing that dance right now is what I'm trying to say. We all look back at those U.S. Army years, right? Tony Schumacher and Alan Johnson, this dynamic duo that just crushed souls every time out. Well, I'm telling you, man, we're we're getting treated with it again. And I think that we're going to look back on this five year stretch and likely the, the five years to come as something very special and unique in the sport of drag racing. So while we uh, let's take a break from rubbing this guy's back. And bring him on the show, man. We've got Kilgore's own Steve Torrance. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for the man of the hour, Steve Torrance. Congrats, brother. What's up, Thanks, Steve? Thanks, guys. What's up, Mike? What's up, Wes? How you Have you doing? ever had anybody blow that much smoke uh, before you joined the conversation? Dude, I'm over here, like, blushing. I'm like, these guys are talking it up. Yeah, <laughs> it's right, true, man. The, the, the he's going to need a bigger, He's going to need a bigger cowboy hat when we're done with you. Yeah, much Hell, bigger I know. One, Listen, man. Here, the hit, my head won't fit in here if you guys keep talking. <laughs> well, congratulations, man, and thank you so much for taking some time to join us on a Wednesday afternoon. It's cool to have you in the comfort of your office, it looks like. So you're back home in Texas, back on the job, I suppose. What was the, what, what was the welcoming like from your Capco boys and girls down here? You know, it was, pretty, it was pretty awesome. I mean, all the guys are pumped up. Uh, I have to show you guys real quick. This Please. is my... This is my office, so I have all the all the Wallies and everything are, are here in my office. So um, everybody, everybody at, at Capco is excited to see see us come in with the trophy. Uh, there was a, a television crew at the airport when we landed, filmed us get off the plane with with you got the Super Bowl trophies. treatment. Oh man, that is awesome. Well, it's Kilgore, Texas. There's twelve. So is, is it a local people. local TV station or whatever is what you're saying? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Hey, anytime the drag racing is getting mainstream news yeah. and media coverage, we're like, we're, yeah. we're all about it. it. It's it's pretty cool, man. I mean, where we live at is a, is a small town, twelve thousand people, and to see the support and just the people that have rallied behind, just to 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 follow drag racing, to see what we're doing. And uh, they, a couple churches in town had a watch party on Sunday where they had the local kids in there in the youth centers watching the races. So it, it's been pretty special. Uh, but, you know, like you guys have said, the success that we've had, I think it's, it's, it's made some of these people not realize what we're doing. So they just expect, oh, well, Torrance won the championship again. And, and none of us on the team feel that way. I mean, it's, I, I know what you're talking about, Wes. I mean, I, I was a, a fan of the sport. I've been a fan of the sport my whole life. And watching what Tony and what AJ did, I mean, and, and to even have our name thrown in the hat with with those guys is I, I, something I would have never believed. I mean, and I still don't. I mean, I, I, I tell everybody all the time, they say, well, 
the, one of the questions the other day, Sunday, was, was is this a dynasty? I, I don't know what this is. This is just a blast, and we're going to ride it <laughs> until it quits and do the best we can. Well, it's the, that's the reason that I kind of labored over all those stats, Steve, because I think sometimes when you win at the clip that you're winning, that it just it, it doesn't maybe get celebrated or talked about or broken down to the extent that it should because it, it becomes, becomes a foregone it becomes yeah. expected it becomes a foregone conclusion and when we started researching these things this morning and you start thinking about I mean if we're talking stick and ball sports Steve you're an 870 batter since 2017 <laughs> I mean that's no shit dude I mean that is a true stat you're 60 and 9 overall this year tied your career best performance I mean 265 or excuse me 263 and 59 since 2017 if you had to point to one thing steve for that five-year stretch what has it been that's been the difference you've obviously done a fantastic job behind the wheel but kind of that aside what do you point to steve every bit of it is is the guys every bit of our success goes back to to bobby lagana to richard hogan to justin cross on each and every guy on the team gary pritchett you know, Mike Giafino, every one of them, um, because and, and I say this time and time again, I'm the guy that gets those stats. I'm the guy that gets those trophies and the recognition, but I'm not the guy that makes that happen. I have one job and it's to drive that car the best I possibly can take off on time, drive it straight. If something happens, try to fix it. But, you know, it. it it just somebody just said confidence and and that's what it it does for me the guys put that car together exactly the same every time they give richard and bobby the exact same car so when they go uh and and make an adjustment and the car does it it's because that was a calculated move and when it doesn't it's because something happened or that was or, or we had something malfunction and when you can pinpoint with accuracy, what, what the car is going to do and predict it, that's where you get that consistency. And that's where, that's where winning rounds and winning races that sometimes you shouldn't because the other guy has so much pressure on him knowing that we're going to be consistent. We're not always the fastest and, and we're not always the quickest, but we go down a lot go a to b a lot and it's usually pretty quick when we do and so that puts pressure on other teams and other drivers to 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 really step it up i mean i'm no antron brown or justin ashley statistically for my reaction times but you know there's certain rounds and certain times that you just got to bring your a game and i think that your driving style and characteristics change and mold as as you get more experience and 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 do more and i used to think tony schumacher would would be lax against this guy and on his game against this guy and i didn't understand how he did it but I, i've kind of found myself in that situation where you really bring it when you need to and sometimes you don't push as hard just trying to get to that next round. I think those are those championship intangibles, right? We, we hear people talk about that a lot, that it's not, you know, maybe with a quarterback, it's not, they, it's not necessarily in the mechanics of their throwing motion. It's some sort of championship intangible that when it comes time to get something done or to make a play, they have the ability to do that. I'm curious, talking about them Capco boys, it's been a theme of the last five years, this run you're on. One of the big storylines 
headed out of 2021 into the offseason has been all these crew chief changes, right? And new teams being formed, uh, maybe in some instances, some teams being going away potentially. There, there's a lot of change going on. How hard is it to have kept this group of guys together? Bobby Lagana in that cover story that we just did, shout out to my guys at Drag Illustrated, incredible, uh, yes. incredible story, great cover, loved it. Uh, and I loved, I told you this before it happened. I said, hey man, you're not on the cover, your team is, and I, it's by design. I didn't want to piss you off. I just wanted you to know that we're doing this on purpose because I wanted to shine a light on those guys. And one of the lines from the article that stuck out to me was from Bobby. And he said, there's a lot of guys on our team that could go run, that could go run a program elsewhere. And yes. that's what's unique about it because they have foregone or forewent those, um, those opportunities to be a, be a part of something special. I'm just curious, Steve, how hard has it been to keep that group of guys together for eight, and nine, eight or nine years? And how hard is it going to be to keep them together moving forward? It, it, it's always difficult. I mean, just because you have personalities that are different and everything else. But I will tell you that Bobby and Dom and and the the culture and just the the atmosphere that those guys create, people gravitate towards it. And, and the group of guys, they absolutely could. There's there's guys that can go to a race car somewhere else today, and and have had offers to do that. I know that sure. from them. And they love where they're at, and and I love where I'm at, and and it's it, you see all teams that are successful, whether it's stick and ball sports or or AJ's team or the NASCAR teams, when you have continuity with with the guys, and and they're able to spend time at the racetrack as much time as we do, and then spend time together, choosingly away from the racetrack and with each other's families. Yes, sir. That's when you have that bond. And, and I mean, I say a lot of dumb shit, but the Capco boys, that's just what came to my mind. And, and it's, we've been labeled as that now and that's what we are. But I mean, we stick together. I can roll in the bar and, and get in the fight with the biggest son of a buck there. <laughs> and I know that those guys got my back and, and, <clears throat> you know, for me, I'm sure everybody has seen the movie Tombstone, but you know, when they roll, the greatest of all time, Oh my! God. when they roll around the corner and it's Doc and it's white and it's everybody just rolling in to go to battle. That's what I feel like rolling into the water box with all those guys behind me, pushing me forward. They're like, okay, you got the gun. We're following <laughs> you. And, uh, and, and it, it's, it's a culture that Bobby and Dom have created. And so, there's really no problem keeping them together. I mean, everybody's there because that's where they want, they to, want be. to be. Uh, we got two guys that are leaving and they're going home. I mean, they're just, uh, they, they, they've been out here on the road. Probably one of them, I think wants to start a family and one of them's kind of halfway retiring, uh, going to be greatly missed and difficult to replace, but that's, it's pretty spectacular to have, Everybody has stayed together since 2000. What does that say about the grind that this that this sport really is? It doesn't get talked about enough. I saw Angie Smith post something on Facebook this morning, and it just it is kind of a it was a harsh kind of reminder of the reality that exists in our sport. She posted like their Google Maps, 48 yeah. hour drive across the country or whatever. And you think about how hard this stuff is on these teams and how much time these guys spend away from their family, and it only makes everything you just said 
like even more significant because it's not like we're just going out and having fun all the time, right? There's a lot of late nights, early mornings, uh, what do you, breakfast, uh, truck stop burritos, right? I mean, it can yeah, be glamorous. The <laughs> yeah, the bomb. At a, at times, it can be pretty pretty glamorous, but that's those moments are actually pretty few and far between. Well, nobody ever sees the the backstory of the rock stars, and you know, I mean, that's that's what we are. We're 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 live entertainment for three days, but you don't know the other four that go into that to make that happen. Yes, and, and the early mornings to get to the racetrack, we ran at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. So was that, what was that about? I was surprised by I that. Think, I think it was television. I think it okay. was yeah. live TV and, and maybe a curfew there at Pomona, but 10 o'clock start, we get, my guys get to the racetrack four hours before to start prepping. So they're there at six you know, given there's a time change and it's, it's, it's West coast and not East coast, it's okay. But still, you know, they've been on that time schedule for a while and they're used to it. Well, then you don't get out of there till 10, 11 o'clock at night. I mean, those are long days where those guys are, are putting it in and <clears throat> you run four laps in a fuel car in one day under the stress of winning the championship, <laughs> winning the race. Those guys are hammered and just emotionally told. This year, I think we had 12 races or, or 11 races in 15 weeks. Uh, and then all of us traveled one of those weekends that we were off to Dom's wedding in Connecticut. So 12 out of 16 weeks, you're on the road, not at home. And a, a couple of guys do have, have young young children, you know, uh, on the team. So they're not seeing their families. And and it, it's it's it you do what you do for the love of the sport and the love of doing it. Cause you could easily go home and get another job and be at home at night, you right. know, and, and spend time with your family. But that's what we choose to do. I mean, every one of us, you know, as well as I do, when you get that drag racing bug, it, it, it consumes you and it's, it's what you do and you, you sacrifice a lot to be there, but the reward is pretty strong too. You, you talked a little bit about, you're you're in the being mentioned in the same breath as some of these greats and guys that you looked up to. I've heard you say that you looked up to Doug Coletta. Obviously, your now good friend Antron Brown. I mean, you're one one win shy of matching Antron. Are you? Do you think about the mark that you guys are leaving? Is that something that is it? Has that? Uh, I mean, is that part of your conscious that you're like going, holy shit! Like we're literally doing something that may be talked about for years and years and decades to come subconsciously yes it's yeah. there uh you think about it because it, it's it's always been for not only myself but every one of us it's not what we've done it's what we're going to do and that's what motivates every one of us i mean pomona's over we're the champs that's over we're, now everybody's looking at showing back up in february to kick our butt and us try to kick theirs and so we get to enjoy it for a couple months but you can, I, in my opinion, you can look at, at what you've accomplished and what you've done and get lost in, in all of it and lose your way, lose your focus and lose your drive because what we've accomplished, I think we're top five or, or six all-time win and, and, and you can kind of get caught up in that and relax. And in this sport, you, there's no relaxing. You can't. You have to constantly be pushing and trying to get quicker and better all the time and not rely on what you've done, but what you're going to do. 
And I think that's what motivates every one of us. We want to win more than winning is the only option and losing is the, is the thing we fear the most. And so that motivates you to keep that keeps your back against the wall and you just have to fight your way out every time. You talked a little bit about this in the post-race uh, interview. I can't remember which one it was, but there's, uh, you know, obviously Tony, this is huge news and I believe to be positive news, very positive news for the sport of drag racing. Tony Schumacher will come back in 2022. We'll be out here competing for a championship. Uh, you said something along the lines of anybody that knows Tony and Tony's a good friend of mine, but he has a big <laughs> ego and he doesn't like it when you kind of trash talk him. He said something about it's not a comeback because he's been here before. But I'm going to tell him, maybe just uh, alongside Doc Holliday, you left and I'm the sheriff now. I'm curious, uh, are you excited about that? Or are we maybe staring down the barrel of like a new – because these things are fun, right? People can get all fired up and it's, take things personally. But this is good for our sport, Lakers uh, and the Celtics, right? I mean, it, these are important moments. Can you get a little bit excited about Tony Schumacher coming back and, and having someone to, to maybe try to slow you down? Man, a hundred percent. I like I I talk to Tony occasionally, you know, half a dozen times a year at least away from the racetrack, and and so I did that interview Sunday in the tower, and and I, so he had texted me Monday morning. He goes, "Congratulations, little bro," and so I called him. I said, "I've already I've already started talking shit, so you got to get on board." <laughs> and so so Good. we laughed about it. I mean, Tony and I, I've I, you know. As far as a rivalry, man, I'm not even in the same boat as Tony Schumacher. 85 wins, eight world championships. I mean, I'm halfway there. So, Are you starting to see it, though? I mean, because that's one of the things that we've been talking all morning is like, what does – I mean, you talk about what's next. I mean, is that is that on your radar? Coming for I mean, those – that 85 wins, coming for that that eight titles? That, that definitely motivates you because, I mean – you always want to be the best. You want to be do the most and 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 more and more. But you can't ever expect to do what we've done, and you can't expect it to continue. You just got to continue. You just got to keep your head down and work hard. I mean, like Mike said earlier, if the next five years are like the first five years, it, it, I mean, we can do it. But you can't bet on that. I mean. It, this thing runs on nitro methane and <laughs> that ain't no, I mean, it may not even start. You know, I was so nervous first round racing Welch. I was like, man, anything can happen. Just don't screw up, go do your job. I mean, a couple of years ago, I remember doing the burnout and the brakes fell off, uh, <laughs> at St. Louis, you know, during the countdown. Oh my God. So the, the calipers broke. <clears throat> so, or not the calipers, the rotors broke. Really? And so, I, I do the burnout. I go to stop and the handle just goes cook all the way to the back. And I'm like, something's wrong. Not stopping. Had to idle all the way down the track and in a run, which it was a qualifying, but I mean, it very easily could have been first round in Pomona. Yeah. So, um, you never know, but man, I, I'm, I'm super excited for Tony to come back. He's in my opinion, he's one of the greatest ever. And before, before the last four years, the last five years, you look at the guy and you go, man, how does he do it? But going through what we've gone through, being in those those extreme pressure situations, having to do this to win a, sh a championship or having to do that, it conditions you. And 
it, it, it makes you be the machine and it makes you calm those nerves, do your job and go in there like it's first round of Pomona one or it's Pomona two for the championship. And there's no difference. And when you can do that, that's when you, you'll, you'll do your best and, and seize those opportunities. And he's been, he's been the greatest at doing that. I mean, the guy made the run, set the record, won the race, everything. And you just, you, you see that and you're like, how's he do it? But then you figure it out after you've been there. It's uh, it, it's, it's a sight to behold, brother. It really is. And I'm curious, could you, that first round matchup, how, how hard is it racing out front? You talk about heading into 2022 with it. You're going to have a gigantic target on your back. You have for half a decade. How much more difficult does that make things? Because we see it a lot in stick and ball sports. Like you're going to get everybody's best effort. You can't take a night off because when you've got Welch in the first round or you've got whomever that's only out here a handful of times, they're taking a shot right? I mean, they're swinging for the fences. They're going to try to leave on you. What's that pressure like? Uh, There is a lot of pressure there, but I think it makes you a better driver because you live in that area. You live in that zone. And when you live there, uh, you don't have to get up or get down. There's certain things that that motivate you a little more uh, and, and you're a little more amped up for, but everyone takes their best shot at you. And like I said, Sunday, We've had a target on our back for the last five years, but it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And everybody I've been, I've been the guy chasing Tony and he had the target and everybody wants to beat him. And, and each driver wants to be the one that stopped him. And, and I, now I'm on the other side of that and everybody wants to stop us and you got to fight for it and you got to want it because Justin Ashley, the kid's, like lightning fast on the tree. Mike Green's got that thing on a laser beam hauling butt. Antron's the same way, and and that car's coming around. You know, there's Brittany has done great. I get like I said it in my speech the other day. I mean, I've tried to stay off of some social media because everybody wants to talk shit and they'll never show up to do anything. But everybody talks shit about Brittany's bad lights get your happy ass in there and see if you can do any better. I mean, I've been in that boat and it's a high pressure situation. All you got to do is step on the gas pedal. And we know that when we get in there, but there's a lot of stuff happening and that thing is doing everything to intimidate you because you're sitting in front of 11,000 horsepower, you know, and, and. Well, it's easy to talk about from the comfort of your grandma's basement or whatever behind your keyboard in your underwear. But right. Everybody, everybody wants to drive a top fuel car until you put them in it and crank it. And, and then 99% of them are going to change. They want mind. out. Yeah. They want get me out. out of here. Yeah. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> well, they come up there and get, and just look at it and go, yeah, no, no. Yeah. No, you we see it all the time from like NASCAR drivers, <clears throat> formula, whatever. They don't want any part of this. I mean, one of my favorite things that's happened this year, I can't remember where it was, maybe Charlotte. They had Ken block. This guy's got a bazillion followers on social media and he's had, I don't know, however many hundreds of millions of views on YouTube. Joe Costello gets him down on the starting line and says something to the effect of, how long till we see you in one of these things? And he looks straight at the camera and is like, no thanks. I mean, this is the guy that we see sliding sideways up Pike's Peak or whatever, falling off of mountains. He wants no part of Nitro Drag Racing. And I thought it was a real feather in our cap. Like, I'm going, we need to be talking about this because here's one of the most visible, like, accomplished drivers 
that exists today. And he's saying, I want no part of this. And it just kind of made me stick my chest out for a minute. Like, don't forget that all y'all drifting and, and hanging out in parking lots. This is a different deal over here. You know, look, look at Mike Salinas. He's drifting at 250 <laughs> on one wheel. It and ain't no it. joke, man. It ain't no joke. But before we cut you loose, man, and there's, I got two things for you. Um, What's your take kind of on the potential dismantling and some of the changes that we're going to see this year? I mean, you think of all that Don Schumacher Racing's been been responsible for. I mean, we've been talking ad nausea here about Tony Schumacher and all he's accomplished, but it doesn't stop there. Ron Caps, who we're going to be joined by here in a few minutes. Uh, Matt Hagen's success, introducing the world in a lot of ways to Leah Pruitt. Uh, Jack Beckman, World Championship. I mean, Tommy Johnson Jr. It, it's, uh, it, it's hard to really adequately describe the impact that Don Schumacher has had on the sport of drag racing. When you start to think about him not having the presence that he's had, I mean, what, how does that make you feel? Well, you know, I mean, everything changes. And, and if you'll look back before that, things, things are, are, are kind of going back to the way they were before Don came in and, and made the mega teams before force got as big as he was, or is he is now, uh, you look back, Joe Gibbs racing was the big deal. That was a funny car and a dragster. You know, that right. was the mega team with McDonald's back in the yes, 90s. Sir. And so uh, I think that what we have done is, is come in as a one car team part time with the second car and shown people that you don't have to be that anymore and still be competitive. Uh, I think that to an extent the mega teams were great for our sport and then i feel like at some point they've kind of kind of hurt the sport as well it's an astute observation You're right <clears throat> and and so so I, i'm excited to see it i'm excited to see antron do his own thing tony stewart's going to bring in a whole different audience to uh to to bring the nascar guys in because you know I I know a lot of people that have gone to NASCAR races that have never been to a drag race, and I take them for the first time, and they're hooked. Yes, sir. So it, it, it's uh, I tell everybody it's a sensory sport. You have to see it, hear it, feel it, smell it, and when you do that, you'll go home and have your like have nitro pouring out on the floor, turning the radio up as loud as you can, yelling at your old lady, "Hey, look at this!" It's but, true, man. I've never had yeah. anybody not love the experience at the racetrack, and if we can get some of those kind of difference makers the Tony Stewart's of the world yeah. showing up, it can only help us in my opinion. Yeah. And I agree. So I think that though, uh, though it's not a good thing that Don's not going to be as big as he is. I think it's going to be a better thing that, that we have more independent team, team owners and not everybody's eggs are in one basket. You know, uh, it'll, it'll diversify the competition and maybe, maybe put the groundwork for somebody else to see it and say, Hey, I can at least go run 10 or 12 races and, and be pretty competitive. I had a thought over the weekend. I thought, you know what? Maybe this will renew Don's enthusiasm. I mean, having to babysit me, let's be honest. Anybody who's ran a business knows that most of what you're doing is putting out fires. Um, I tell people all the time that I'm a firefighter by trade. I'm not literally, but it's mainly just putting out yep. fires, dealing with drama, whatever. Um, and if you're, if you, I always kind of gauge the success of our business by how much bad shit's happening. Because if bad shit's not happening, we're not making money. We're not do, we're not working hard enough, right? I mean, we you should be creating problems in a, in some ways. I mean, because the more you're doing, the more that type of stuff happens. I wonder if a guy like Don may we may everybody talks about it all the time. John Forces getting up there in years. Connie Coletta obviously advanced in age. 
Don Schumacher advanced in age. Maybe it will prolong his involvement in the sport a while if it's a little bit more of a manageable scene and it's not, you know, a monster building and all these different people and personalities. Heck, maybe he'll be around a little longer than he would have been if it stayed that big. Yeah, and, and I agree. I think Don is an, an unbelievable businessman and has done well with, with Schumacher Electric and then also DSR. I mean, like you said, it was the, the powerhouse drag racing team. I mean, that was the the drag racing factory over there of champions. They yes, just sir. continued to turn to turn out, turn out, turn out, and they set the bar. And uh, it, it's I, I think you're right. I think that maybe somewhat he has lost a little bit of that love and passion for it. And and I hope it does rejuvenate it some because I enjoy I I enjoy Don. I, I've admittedly talked a bunch of trash to him and stirred him up a little bit. And he he's done the same with me. But he's a great guy. And That's what competitors uh, are supposed the, to do, you know? Yeah, great for the sport. Absolutely. Well, all right. Closing notes. A first and foremost, man, just thank you so much. I know you got a lot going on. A couple of days removed from a world championship, so to be here with us on a Wednesday afternoon means a lot to us. I know we're in, uh, creeping up on the five o'clock hour. I just want you to know that there's a whole world of us. We actually signed a, a deal here uh, earlier this week with Redline Oil. We brought Redline on as a, as a sponsor of our show, a major sponsor of the West Buck Show and Drag Illustrated Magazine. We're super excited about it. Uh, Mark Beatty, a longtime friend of mine, we've had a lot of conversations about you, Steve. And I want you to know that you, you, I'm challenging you not to apologize in 2022. You heard it here, all right? Not trying to put you on the spot but you're a fantastic ambassador for the sport of drag racing. There's a whole lot of us that love you and hang on every word you say positively. You've done a tremendous thing for the sport of drag racing, and you need not apologize, my friend. You, you're, a, you're an incredible ambassador. You're a family man. You're a second-generation racer. You're a great father, great husband. You got nothing to apologize for. We, uh, we're so proud of you, and I just think that it's great to have someone such as yourself, a good-looking, clean-cut, well-spoken young man, be the champion for our sport. It's a great thing, and we're proud to have you. So quit acting like you're not, okay? <laughs> thank, thank you very much. I mean Chris. it. I, I, mean it. I, mean, I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, because we, we need people like you leading the charge for us, and I got to tell you, we're very proud to have you as our champion, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Or any chance we're going to get you to PRI? Or do you come to PRI? Do you do the trade show scene? Man, I'm probably going to be holed up in some kind of I hope hunting so. stand or my house <laughs> in South Texas. I'm well, good, brother. not going to make it. Well, hey, next time. If you do make it, let us know. We'd love to have you at Drag Illustrated After Hours, the biggest party in drag racing. It's, uh, it's a sight to behold in and of itself. You be careful. Stay out of trouble. Seriously, Steve, congratulations. We cannot wait to see what happens next, brother. Thank you very much, and I appreciate that. No problem, big dog. Dude, this might be like the best show we've ever done. Top top five, Mike, JT, let's bring you guys back on the on the screen for a minute so I can, why don't you like take me off the screen? No, I'm just joking. Everybody got to get tired of seeing my dumb ass on here. You would think. 24-7, <laughs> I'm staring at a freaking computer screen. It's unbelievable. But I surely appreciate everybody being a part of it. What do you make of this, man? I mean, what, this is some of the behind the scenes conversations and like real honest, heartfelt stuff that I just don't think we get to see anywhere else. I'm so proud of it, man. Yeah, and they need a stage to set on, you know, really, where they can be, be heard. I think so, dude. I really do. Mike, your take? Yeah, it's. Uh, I like coming up with these stats and kind of digging into the stuff that's out there, then hearing their take on it. Uh, some of the rivalry there with uh, with Torrance and and Schumacher, and just you know, giving these guys. I think some of the comments were like, you know, seeing a different side of Steve. Uh, 
I'm still curious. He didn't ask him how long he's going to, he, he plans to go with this. How long? Oh, is, I should have. Which is, it's probably a tough question. Tough question to ask somebody because everything changes year to year. It They're does. even experiencing some, some changes to the Capco team. We've kind of trumpeted their consistency and how they've kept that team together. And he said they're experiencing two, two guys moving on this year for various reasons. Uh, the Don Schumacher deal, uh, the Tony Stewart deal, things are always changing and the team that can stay together. I think that's been a huge part for Steve's success. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see more people, I think, try to go that route. I think even in the super team route, we've seen crews changing, you know, like just swapping entire crews on, on teams uh, and just moving things around to keep them shaken up. But uh, that was also a key for Tony Schumacher's run for so long. If you think about it, those six, Six in a row, uh, the Allen Johnson-led years. Consistency means a lot uh, in the pits of these of these Continuity, man. I mean, there's yeah. so many moving parts on these race teams and race cars that if you can find some sort of harmonious thing, and it's funny, I remember this as a kid going racing with my dad. We'd have somebody come in to Buck Brothers, my dad's auto repair shop, and they'd want to like, They'd want to come, hey, I want to go racing with you guys. Um, and typically that happened once, right? Yeah. Because once they came and saw how like this whole thing unfolds, it's not quite as much fun as it maybe looks like. Um, you know, by we the time no we got the awning up to go. Yeah, that's us. my point. I mean, is just, by yeah, the time we got the awning up, most of the people, the volunteers, they were ready to like never ever come back. Like, you guys do this every weekend. This is or miserable. the first time they screw up something critical or whatever you know <laughs> well that I mean, was it, my it, point it, and everything is critical even the smallest stuff you can't really trust someone that has never been there to do it because you almost like don't want to disrupt the, the machine the california duster on the car or something but you don't know? you agree you don't want to disrupt the machine and i think that's what's so kind of important about this whole thing and you see people try to lend a hand a lot of times man you just need to get out of the way right these guys know what they're doing they do it the same way every weekend let's not mess things up you know what i'm saying it's a it's a cool thing and there's probably something for everyone to learn from it there's two things i take away i read a book recently uh, that was talking about how the stats and i don't have these numbers in front of me but the statistics show that the teams that high five each other the most have won like the last 15 NBA world championships, NBA uh, finals. Really? And they've done stats that show that that human interaction and that kind of camaraderie and cheering people on. Steve Torrance talked about it. Not only do they race together, they hang out together. They break bread together. They spend time together away from the racetrack. And I think that sometimes we don't, we sleep on a little bit how significant that is and how much of a difference that can make to the success of a team. Um, I was going to say something or, or else. Even, or even the or even the class. You know, we, we talk about the rivalry between Elite and KB all the time, right? And we heard him on here a little bit ago talking about what they had to do to bring the class back. And, and props to those guys. I mean, that's awesome. It really is amazing, to be honest. And I think we're going to see some of that as we see all these independent teams pop up in the Nitro ranks. I think we're going to see a little bit more of an open mind to that kind of approach because a high tide lifts all boats, right? Well, I mean, and we need if we need all these teams to kind of be representative, especially in this television age, right? Where we want the show to have some speed to it and to, to have a reasonable pace to make sure that we're not oiling the track down or we're not smoking cones every time or we're not breaking or having the car not start in the water box. That that kind of that mindset will pay dividends over time, maybe not immediately, but over the course of time, making sure there's more competitive cars out here, more successful teams across the board will only help our... However, uh, to counter that, 
all of the teams that won or all the drivers that won these pro, these four pro categories that we're covering today are veterans, multi-time champions, and went into Pomona leading the points. Mm -hmm. And and there's no doubt about it, man. So there were really no upsets. There were no upstart teams that came in and and, uh, stole a championship or whatever. It really, even though we talk about the the playing field being leveled and the competitive, it's it's more competitive from one to sixteen than it used to be. The the cream still rises to the top. Well, guys, I think it's about that time. We're headed toward uh, the finish line here, and I want to remind everybody: a, thank you for being here. Seriously, your presence is the ultimate difference maker. I'm watching Ron Caps in the green room right now reading the comments. And I just think people, you all need to understand that this stuff makes a difference to us. It's cool to have Steve Torrance. It's cool to have Mike and JT every Wednesday. It's amazing to have Ron Caps. I was thinking about that this morning. Like, holy shit, we're about to interview Ron Caps. But like to have all these people, it's so incredible. And I'm so proud of it. But your involvement makes all the difference in the world. And I want you to know that on behalf of myself, all of our sponsors, our whole team, thank you. Seriously, you being here, you telling us where you're checking in from, you clicking that like button, you clicking subscribe, you clicking share makes all the difference in the world. And I want you to know how much I appreciate it. All of our sponsors, Sand Haulers of America, Flow Racing, Elite HP, Stroud Safety. Today, Redline Oil joins the family. We're, we're so proud of what we have here, this platform that we, we feel we're providing the sport of drag racing. These conversations need to happen. You're not going to hear them anywhere else. Unfiltered unscripted, casual conversations about the sport of drag racing need to be have in an open platform in front of the masses. And we're so proud of this. So thank you for being a huge part of it. Mike, JT, Ron Caps, what can you say about this? We had him on the show last week and I was so proud and I thought, man, I hope we're able to like pull it together and get him back. If this whole thing goes the way it's supposed to go and he ends up winning the championship, the notion of having him on both sides of it is really exciting to me personally. And uh, I'm sure it didn't go exactly how our, our man wanted it to go, but uh, it, it shook out all right. Ron Caps does it again. Funny Car A scores his second career world championship. A really special moment. I, I can't wait to bring him on here. We've got some stats to go through. I want to ask him about some of the things that we saw unfold. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, let's give it up for the man of the hour, Mr. Napa Know-How. Not, not one time, but two times, the champ champ, Ron Caps. What's up, Ron? What's, what's hey, up, man. brother? How are you guys? Oh, not as good as you, but pretty damn good, brother. <laughs> We're pretty damn good. It's uh, almost five o'clock on a Wednesday, and I, thank you so much for being a part of this, man. Congratulations. Holy crap, dude. I think before we even, let's just play the video. I want you to take us through this. We've got a video of the final round, uh, or excuse me, that uh, epic matchup that you were paying attention to that you needed to have go your way. And I'd love to just have you kind of take us through some of the emotions that you that you were having. Because what what a deal, right? Yeah, it, like you said, it wasn't how we scripted it. And we knew we had Hagen quarterfinals. Listen, you, you don't want to rely on somebody else to do your dirty work. We've said that throughout the countdown. And uh, Have you watched this yet, Ron? Or is this your first uh, time seeing these it? These little clips, like I, my wife pulled it up and I, somebody had it on Twitter and I saw little clips. I haven't listened to it or haven't watched the TV show yet. This was, uh, this was a moment that I feel like we're asking for. Uh, like us, those of us in the media, I love, I preach it all the time. Let us know how much this stuff means to you. We need drivers to share their emotions with us, right? Because we need to know 
how much this stuff means to you and the expression on your face and kind of the disbelief here, Ron, is, is something that I think will be forever etched in my mind. I can't. What, what's going through your mind in this moment right here? I was like the field goal kicker. Nobody wanted to come near me. <laughs> they, they wanted me to go down to the top end of the track. And I go, I'm not doing it. I've done that so many times and stood there when somebody else won. So I stood way in the back there by myself and watched this. I could barely see from back there with all the glare. And all of a sudden I looked over and on Dell's side, the wind light was on. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, because Alexis, man, they've been on fire here. Yeah, they've yeah. been on a roll. You had to feel pretty good about that, though. But with they didn't have lane choice. There's a bigger bump in the right lane. I was a little nervous, you know, just nervous. And uh, Hagen and Dickie are tough. But right there, I I could not believe it just happened. And uh, there's my wife. This is yeah, That was the moment that I really the crowd, wanted the crowd, you to see. Your, your hometown crowd that we talked about last week going nuts yeah. for you. Yeah, crazy. Uh, they didn't have a big screen in front of them down at the track. They only had it at the starting line. So my family couldn't see what I was doing. Of course, I'm buddies with everybody there. Del Worsham, um, you know, and Nikki. Nikki came running right over and the Toyota people and just uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. It really felt, Bruno. it really looked like they, did Bruno actually get teary-eyed? Hell, he was teary-eyed. You were teary-eyed. Dude, the whole time he was interviewing me, he was tearing up more and more where it was dripping and he didn't, he couldn't do anything. He was interviewing me and I kept looking at him and I finally just said, dude, you're not helping me right now. I'm trying to keep my <laughs> stuff together. But yeah, he was, you know, Bruno, he's a racer at heart and uh, I don't know what he, was going on in his mind listening to me, but he was just, it was coming flowing down. So that um, yeah, was a cool moment. I don't even know what I said. I don't even, I didn't know what to say. I looked over and Don Schumacher was all of a sudden at my right side. And then Dickie Venables came over right away. And you don't want to wish anybody bad, you know, uh, and I've raced with Hagen since he came on to DSR. So I, I, it's weird to not want somebody to do well that you, you love and you race with all the time. So it's just strange, strange situation. I wish we could have just one second round, but Hey, I'll take, I'll take it any way we can get it. This white hat, it, it doesn't know what happened right and that trophy behind me doesn't know so we'll take it the way it is i think vin diesel may have said it best in fast and the furious it doesn't matter if it's an inch or a mile winning's winning right <laughs> especially drag I, racing right yeah especially drag racing you hey, know it hey, was Ron, this to me i mean all the emotion it took you so long to get the first championship and then now you've got a second one in just a handful of years what's the how does it compare or in contrast to to the feeling of the first one which seemed to be so long overdue and took you so long versus this one what's the different emotions or, or how does it feel differently the first one was just a relief you know I'd, I'd had ron tober for a crew chief since 2012 and at that point in 16 we didn't win throughout the countdown yet we're here we are in the fight uh leading going into pomona but i'd been there before right so uh nothing was comfortable no lead was comfortable back then but we had a great consistent car and i always go back to my crew chief ed mcculloch who was really one of my early mentors you know it was rolling leong and then ed mcculloch and snake i never knew believe it or not all those years at snakes and then we ace and i were reunited when i went over to schumacher's with the brute car but ace is just a wear it on his sleeve he's as aj foyt in drag racing as it gets right don't mess around he'll get out of the car and beat the crap out of you if you did something even up until when he was a crew chief and he was older he, nobody messed with him so i didn't know he never won a championship he'd won everything in my eyes he'd won indy all those times all the math racing building his model all that stuff and i didn't realize it until somebody in the media 
media had mentioned it back then. So I was all of a sudden I was okay with my career not having a championship. I really was. All the wins I'd had up until 2016, it didn't even matter. Like I, I was blessed to even be where that was. So it was just icing on a cake when the championship happened. I thought, okay, now I got it and I can stop worrying about it. And then this year was from the get-go being teamed up with uh, Guido and John Medlin last minute, uh, you know, through COVID, Brontobo retires 11th hour. And being uh, you put together with this team and, and learning how to drive in a lot of ways. There was a lot of different stuff. I didn't talk about it first half of the year, exactly what was going on in the cockpit. But I, I seriously had to kind of learn how to drive again after 26 years of driving a funny car uh, for the better in the long run, I think, performance wise. But um, next thing you know, we're having pole positions and then here's Pomona and we're leading the points. So it was a very different way to win a championship compared to 16. I think it's interesting that you mentioned people don't uh, the, the driving styles we've heard force talk about making changes in the car, the way, the way the clutch pedal is, the way his seat was poured. Can you tell us or do you mind sharing a little bit of some of those changes <laughs> you were having to make? Because it's interesting that you don't. I mean, I think that so many people just see it from the outside looking in as a dude stomping the gas pedal and driving in a straight line. Right. And so to yeah. hear, I mean, I think it's good for the fan base you know, to understand some of the nuances that are at play under that carbon fiber body. Yeah. And I've always kind of sauntered off into another racing, you know, I drove for Stoney Stewart, the chili bowl and a sprint car and got to do a lot of other cool stuff, the prelude to the dream. And my biggest passion, of course, is nostalgia racing. And it started with a good guy series into where the, the, you know, March mate and stuff is drove Pluger's LA hooker car and Dallas blue max car. I mean, really been, Really cool being able to do all that. But the fuel altered was the coolest win in the, the March meet in 20. But every time I go jump in one of those cars, they are so different. I'm so, you don't, you forget how good we have it when we have a seat built around us and we have everything right. fit perfect to what we do because we strap in, we got 13 straps holding us in neck and arms and legs. And so when I, jump into one of these nostalgia cars on any given weekend, everything's in different places and it makes you really stop and think about things more than you ever do. And it take, you take it for granted when you get back in the big show car, you're like, Oh, okay. You don't even think about it. So with that being said, I didn't realize how much that was going to prepare me for this year. Um, we, we went from a pull break, a handbrake. Cause if anybody doesn't know in the funny cars and dragsters, it's a handbrake. You sort of sit up like a, a sprint car like this upright and you have a handbrake and you have a clutch and a gas. And that's pretty much it. So 25, 26 years of never having a push brake. In other words, I've always had a handbrake where you pull that when most of most guys going back throughout careers have had that. All of a sudden now I've got to learn to, to push on it instead of pull on it. And then there's a, a, something else we do with our fuel system that's a little bit different. And it's uh, whether it helps performance or not, it's just something that I was not used to doing pre, uh, I guess, staging, not pre-staging, but prior right. to staging. So that was a little bit different scenario. It took me a few races to get it, believe it or not. And um, still, it took the push brake a while. Any other driver that's had to do that, you, uh, I always tell people it's like swapping your gas pedal and your brake pedal in your family car. And just go out and go to the store and then see if you can pick that up right away. It's, it's really weird. So I almost ran over a crew member in Gainesville. You know, we rolled up. I went to pull the brake and I'm like, oh, my God, you, you know, you just forget. So little things like that. And then the chassis was quite a bit different the way Greedo and, and Medlin had it set up. So 
I was really having to concentrate. We went to preseason testing in West Palm and then Gainesville. And I was more focused than I'd been in years. Cause usually you just jump in same crew. Hey, Tobler, the guys, boom, we go, we make some runs, you know, and then we show up at the race and run. But, uh, it was, it was quite a few races for me. For uh, a season last year, I mean, we're a year removed from DSR winning every funny car race there was, right? Every race that happened in 2020, DSR won. Here in 2021, the, the championship points lead changed 10 times. Nine times in the last three and a half months, we had a different points leader, which is insane. What do you think made the difference for you down the stretch? And what do you make of this competition level that exists in funny car right now? God, the competition level, we, we say it every year. Like, you know, we, we tell you guys in the media that this is the toughest ever because Funny Car has been. If you take the stack of 12 or 13 every year, whatever that number is, you could say 16 if they're all there. But it has just been stout when you look down the, the names of the, and the cars. So um, I don't know how to explain that. But this year just seemed like it was scrunched together more, more than ever. Right. So Tasca just dominated, right, with his Ford Mustang most of the year. I mean, just him and Zippy were running away from the rest of us. And we were all, everybody's running pretty good. They just happened to hit it right. And in the fuel world, nitro world, it's all about, Snake used to joke about this. Like you hire a crew chief, you have one in, they come in with their briefcase and they've got their favorite fuel pump and their favorite clutch discs. <laughs> and clutch discs are so huge to once you get a batch that you like, Boy, you better hope that you have a bunch of them, right? And you, enough that you can make as many runs as you can. And then you want to try to filter in another one to get used to that because you're going to run out of these good ones. And it's it's so important for these crew chiefs. So with that being said, I think they just hit their stride. And the rest of us were kind of finding our way a little bit. And then you had Forrest, who everybody kind of wrote off a little bit, winning. Uh, Wilkerson, who, uh, who I – had been really lucky these last few years to win some big, big matchups with him. All of a sudden he whipped our ass Indy final round. We, oh my now we joke, we got wilked. Anytime somebody got side, just completely, you know, and didn't expect to get beat. We call it being wilked now. And we joke with Tim. He's one of my good friends, but that's, that's how the category was all year long. And so, you know, J.R. Todd and Alexis, and you just start sprinkling all these other cars and then Cruz Pedregon, there he is with JC and all those guys. We knew what they could do. And it took them a while to sort of get together. And it took a while, I think, for crews to get used to them. So, man, I don't even know how to explain it other than everybody just seemed to have their act together more so in that top 12. It was it feels like it was special. It was unique. What do you think made the difference for your Napa team headed toward uh, the finish line here? What was the, the difference maker for your group, specifically being a new a new mix? Right. How unique is that to find some sort of harm, harmony late in the season when you need it most? Yeah, you know what? When I got together with these guys, Guido said, "All right, you know, he went over. I was in California here, and he said, "All right, when we got put together, we talked on the phone." He went over to Tobler's car to my car, and he starts looking around. He wanted to put everything in the new car, his car, like that. And I said, "Stop, leave your car alone," because with Jack Beckman driving those last couple of years, I mean, that car was a contender for the championship in every race. Great car. I said, "Do not change a thing. I will adapt to what you got. Please don't touch anything in the car." We'll pour a seat and I'll just go figure it out, right? I mean, I should be able to, right? I'm a professional. I've driven enough. I should be able to do it. So I think that was the key. I think me getting used to them, them getting used to me, um, and it raised the bar for me. There was times that I got up and got whole shot wins, and I joked about it in the interviews. Like, I felt like I was possessed a little bit, and it wasn't really me in the car. 
And there I was watching what just happened. It was strange. So uh, we, we sort of joke about Eric Medlin and the stickers on the back of the injector. And that's what I see every run. I look at that. I use that to aim. Um, and there's something to be said about that spirituality that John Medlin has with Eric. And I think we just had things flowing and we just sort of got going better and better. And I'd like to tell you it was all driver, uh, but I believe they could have stuck anybody in that car and uh, it would have had probably the same results. But uh, I always try to make sure my team around me has fun. I like to take care of them. I love to pat them on the butt when things aren't good and keep their spirits up. But these guys did the same to me a lot. And in crucial situations, I felt like maybe I was starting to nut up. And uh, all of a sudden, these guys knew how to relax me. And uh, that, that was cool. There were a couple moments there where it was big. And uh, so it's fun now to look back. Like you, we all talked last week, right, um, when I was on the show, not knowing. And I said, look, Sunday night, I'm either going to be world champion or I'm not. I mean, you're going to wake up Sunday morning. You don't know which person you're going to be. You're going to be wearing the hat or you're not. And um, these guys, this crew really made it comfortable for me. It's Thank you for sharing that because I don't think a lot of times we get some of those, some of that insight because even the biggest heroes, even the biggest stars our sports ever known need, need a leg up every once in a while, right? Need somebody to come to their rescue. And it's cool because we, we just finished uh, a couple of weeks ago, we sent to press our annual crew chief issue and it's called the crew chief issue, but it's really the crew issue. And it's where we try to highlight all these men and women that, that make drivers look good right? That make all of this actually happen. And I don't know that our sport gets as much credit for being a team sport as it really should, because I mean, I, I like to believe that Ron Caps is a difference maker. So I'm going to continue that storyline brother, but it's like, it really, what do you say about these men and women? I mean, you got young guys on the team, you got some veterans on the team. You mentioned John Medlin. I mean, these, there's been some guys that have been around the block, but what do you make of that group right now? Do you feel like you've got something special that you're going to be able to maybe bring some of them with you into the future? Yeah, well, with that being said, Wes, we've talked about this. I, I grew up a crew member. I grew up, that's what I did. It's what I, I worked on them. Yeah, I wanted to drive, but I had to figure out, am I ever going to get just a shot to get in a, a cockpit? And is an owner ever going to just throw a crew guy in there? You know, I grew up racing everything, but that didn't matter. So I didn't have a big check to bring. I didn't have all that. And I figured I really looked up to guys like Dale Worsham that worked on them. And I, I really feel like, those years of working on them and getting in the truck and driving down the road. When I started driving, I really focused and I still do today with the biggest budget out there or one of the biggest budgets. I still like to take care of the equipment. If I feel something weird, I'll get out of the throttle instead of bringing back a hunk of junk all blown up. Uh, you see some drivers that are in the gas and the things burning up. And so that's always been sort of, you know, something I've really paid attention to. And there's times where it probably cost us, you know, runs or good runs or even race days where I'm like, oh, something's not good. This is going to get bad to worse. But that really helped me early on in my career. And I really believe it helped when Roger Prem hired me. Don Prudhomme started watching me in that car. And I, I really felt like that was a big, a big thing. So where I'm going with this, um, that's why I think so much of these crew guys and girls out there. I know what it takes. I know when I leave, I'm going to go hop on a plane and I get to fly to California. They are going to tear down the awning, just like the circus, and they're going to pack everything up and they're going to work till odd hours, you know, all night if they have to load stuff up. And then they're going to get in these rigs and they're going to drive hour after hour until they're allowed to not drive anymore and park. 
But basically, these guys, it's nonstop. It's not NASCAR where you got special truck drivers and then the crew flies on a jet home. These guys and girls, man, that, that's where it happens. So I was there. And so I like to – I some of my best friends out there, most of the in the pit area are not drivers. They're crew members or crew wow. chiefs. That's just the way that I've always – I've always been. So I think that I'd love to have the team I have right now and just continue what we're doing. And, uh, you know, but I've been blessed to have really good crew people around me. And it's uh, this year was no different. Do you think that that opportunity exists anymore, Ron? I hadn't really thought about that because we we hear about that a lot from the readers of the magazine comments here where it's like to get a nitro ride in 2021, you better be attached to money. You better either have elite level wealth like in your family or you better have a relationship with a sponsor that can bring some big budget to the to the table. Do you feel your path could be had in 2021? Is that opportunity exist for some young up and coming guy that's crewing on a car or service in the clutch somewhere and maybe just has it. I mean, and how there's two questions here. Does that possibility exist in this day and age for someone else? And secondly, how proud are you? Because you're one of those guys that didn't bring a big corporate spot. I mean, now you're attached to Napa at the hip, right? And it's amazing to have watched that whole thing develop the way that it has. But uh, I mean, I hope I mean, you should be very proud because you're one of the few guys out here that are still like a hired gun driver, right? Yeah, I've, I've never brought a sponsor t- since I became a professional, even before that. And so, yeah, I've been lucky, but I've worked my tail off on the part that I always felt like I was not good at. And that was speaking and then talking to sponsors and representing them. But I had to learn real quick. So since Don Perdome, really, when he saw something in me, because I didn't have money. I was driving Roger and Roger Prem hired me. Right. And I was on a list. I was on a list of unbelievable names when I was driving the A fuel car, the Montana Express. And Terry Manzer was my the, eventually my crew chief at Roger Prem's. But he would call me and say, man, the, the list is getting narrowed down and you're still on it. And he would name off Gary Beck and Gary Selzy and Rance McDaniel. And I mean, huge names. Dale Worsham of people that Roger Prim wanted to put in his top fuel car. And here I am an A fuel driver. So, and the list got smaller and smaller and I'll never forget it. It was New Year's Eve when I got a call from Roger Prim and he said, you're the guy that we want to put in there. We want to take this, try to get sponsors, but you're the one. And I thought I'm going to be a top fuel pilot. Right. And then Don Perdome saw me that, but I can't wait for this next step in my life um, to do that. What you just talked about is what drives me and it's what, I saw in Don Perdome, we used to talk about this a lot. We still do. He really loved the fact that he had an eye. And I think I do too. I I really feel like I can help. There's so many kids, so many guys and kids that never will get a chance to step on the gas of a fuel car that would be better than anybody on the grounds. And a lot of them probably could talk maybe with some coaching. Um, That stuff can come, but that, that natural ability and to be nice and talk to people and represent a sport they're out there they're coming up through junior dragsters they're coming up to comps and super comps and super gases and all that so i can't wait for this next step to it's going to allow me to eventually do that right and uh because i i grew up in the alcohol ranks and i still to this day if i want to relax i get on a scooter and i go visit jay Payne or i go visit uh doug gordon who i grew up with him and mike gordon and uh, Pat Austin were the people that I was around him and Blaine. And so I, I've always loved that pit area. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I talked just the other day to somebody about, it would be fun to do a sort of blog 
and maybe find, and I mean, your magazine's always named the best under 30, right? I mean, find a way to really dig deeper and find the top 10 nooks and crannies of somebody that's really, um, really has it, maybe would never get a chance and possibly make a chance for him. I used to have this dream, this sounds crazy, but I used to have this dream that the NHRA would like put out a rule where all the fuel teams had to have a farm team. Like you had, like if, if Ron Caps is going to own his own team in 2022, you have to field an A fuel car. Dude, we went to Grand Light. We went to, uh, to Tom Compton. We went to people. We had the same idea, Wes. And our idea was a nostalgia funny car for a funny car. It is, you stage the car the same. You do everything in the car the same. For a top fuel car, an A fuel dragster. And we got together, Dell, and I mean, every, every top fuel funny car driver. Badass. Yeah, we called a meeting together and we said, let's work it out just like the NASCAR series Xfinity right now. And let's jump. Cruz and me and Dell and Tony Schumacher and let's put us all in a fuel cars or nostalgia funny cars and make it so the fans could watch us on Saturday actually race in something else with these up and coming drivers and so we posed at the NHRA several times and I, it's a great idea you're absolutely right but the fact that a nostalgia funny car is the perfect car to learn how to drive a nitro funny car we've seen several people try to get their license and end up hurting themselves and it doesn't when they're going straight and you step on the gas and everything's good and they run 390 and 393. Right. Listen, there is easy. You could jump in it. It's when stuff's going wrong and you got to know how to lift. And that's when you separate that discernment. Right. Yeah. It's- yeah. All you got to do is have balls, really, to go step on the gas. And if you got it, that's fine. Guts, I should say. But it's fine. Um, but when something's not right, that is when you find out who the good drivers are. It's I. It would be so cool to see, like, say it's a fuel cars because we have them there. And what in that class right now has a ton of momentum. I mean, there's a lot of stars in the making there. There's a lot of you know. So we got uh, um, Julia Natas. We got the Myers girls. I mean, Randy Meyer can seemingly put anyone in in one of those cars and have considerable success. It's been he's a he's a Midwest guy. Uh, I want to jump in that car. I, I told him the winter circle, dude. I want to drive your car next year. I mean, I want. I'm actually be- like. I really want to drive that car. Anyway, um, I mean, I've got some great Randy Meyer stories, but wouldn't it be cool if, you know, just for instance, you know, the Napa pit area had your whole operation in the big tent and the hospitality stuff. But on the other side of your trailer, you had a Napa branded a fuel car, which was like your farm league car that Julian Natas was driving or Rachel Meyer was driving. And every team had to field one because we were trying to develop our next generation of talent and put that onus on the race teams. Because one of the things that kind of crushes me, and we have a lot of these conversations internally, is that there's not really an organic pathway, you know, for someone to work their way up the food chain in drag racing. You have to be able to come in with a big check, you know, or be lucky, right? You know, there's no way for a guy to go out. I mean, there is, don't get me wrong. And people such as you are, are, are proof that it's possible but it, in this day and age, it's really difficult to have a chance to just be really good at something, to work hard, to put in your time and work your way up. And it feels like at some point along the way, as a sport, we're going to have to institute that type of program for self-preservation, if nothing else. Yeah, I, I'm all for it. And I, I hope that somebody, you know, there's a lot of cool things possibly happen next year. I mean, uh, Glenn, the president of NHRA, talked about a Netflix type F1 uh, reality type 
show, maybe behind the scenes. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff. And I think um, the guy in charge of Fox Sports, uh, I got a text from him yesterday just saying great job and how good the numbers were for the Fox people. And this guy's up really That's high. That's awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. And I was like, really? I mean, I knew they were, and I knew we promote it and we do our best, but he said, no, really good numbers. So that was cool. Um, That's fantastic, man. I guess uh, last thing, and again, Ron, I want to thank you for your time um, on a Wednesday afternoon to come talk drag racing with us, uh, Yahoo's. We really appreciate it. You've already got, you know, we know we you've got some big news coming. You've got big and big announcements on the on the horizon. How much does this championship kind of catapult that news even further? Does it make some of your off season work a little easier? Is the you know with a with a big trophy behind you like you've got? Uh, yeah, I think it has. Today has been bizarro uh, in a good way. We thought we sort of had a lot of the puzzles in place, and then a bunch of these different things came at us, like big time, cool, other things uh, that will be part of the, the whole operation. And I just thought we were going down one road, and all of a sudden I have these other two options that I'm not sure we would have had. Maybe, maybe not if we hadn't won the world championship, but it just tells me how good our sport is because these two came out of nowhere and, uh, and are pretty big deal. So it's been crazy. And this next few days and then next week is going to be crazy. We're trying to get everything wrapped up and get it together for the opening day at PRI. Worst case, we're going to announce just what the basics are, but oh my gosh, Wes, it's been, I never imagined, uh, you couldn't have written a script better, right? I mean, I'm, I told Don Schumacher back, Saturday morning of the Indy race that I was not coming back. I was going to be a free agent, but I didn't necessarily want to leave DSR and I've been there 17 years. So with that being said, it's been all this stuff behind the scenes. Like I told you all this white noise, which might've been a distraction for a lot of people, but somehow it worked out for all of us. And uh, it's going to be crazy. Awesome. I can't wait. Uh, the fans and your fans, everybody's going to love it. And it's really going to take uh Boy, it's going to, if it keeps going the next few days, like this morning was, uh, I can't wait. And I may have a chance to start looking for younger talent sooner than I expected. So uh, it'll well, be from fun. your mouth to God's ears, brother. Uh, I really hope that's the case. We couldn't be happier for you. I, I said this to, to Steve Torrance a moment ago, but I'm going to echo those sentiments here. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're so lucky as a sport, Ron, to have an ambassador such as yourself out front. The, the people that are out front wearing those championship hats are important. And when it's guys like you, good-looking, well-spoken dude that, that, that can talk the talk and walk the walk, it's great for all of us. So thank you for that. Congratulations. We honestly cannot wait to see what's next. And now I know I don't got to ask that you're going to be at PRI. So uh, I hope you'll join us Thursday night at the biggest party in drag racing. DI After Hours powered by Titan Racing Engines. Man, we, we really would love to have you. Oh, I'm there. I finally get to make it. Lock it in, brother. Well, hey, Ron, thank you so much, dude. Congratulations. Thanks, man. See you guys. Talk to you soon, brother. Whoa, ladies and gentlemen, it is almost time to get the shoots out. We've been live for three hours, five minutes, seven seconds. We've had a hell of a crowd today. Dare I say it? Hand to God, it's been a barn burner. I think we've absolutely uh, delivered here today. I apologize. I haven't been paying attention to the comments uh, the way that I typically do because we had so many guests and I got, I mean, this is what my notes, I mean, this is, I'm writing stuff as we go. It's, it's ridiculous. JT, uh, Mike, what's going on guys? Do we got to, what else do we got to do? Do we have anything left to cover or do we, or is it time to get the shoots After out? Hours, do it. Oh, is it time? We got to do yeah, it for a few minutes. We got to at least answer the que answer some questions. Play the video T.
Does it have music? I don't know if it has music. Hold on. I got to get. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, he was about to beatbox. I was going to beatbox for y'all. Okay. I got to take a drink of something. I'm out of water. I've been sipping an empty cup. Okay, let's look at some of the yeah, questions, T. Me and JT were, were playing the uh, Westbuck drinking game. <laughs> we were. We're going to need. We're going to. We're not going to be at work tomorrow. Oh, really? I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm ready play for this, a drink. To be told. If we now. play this at PRI, we'll just be. A, we'll be on the ground. Which I'm genuinely I, excited I wanna, for PRI. You guys. And, and then I want to like not tell you what we're what words <laughs> we're, we're drinking to, and just and you'll figure it out as we go, and you'll be like, <laughs> son of a bitch, you know, it'll be great. Trust what do you think about getting like some sort of uh, practice tree set up? I know we can't bring our big practice tree. It's broke. Um, but even if we brought like a little pack practice tree, bring do you think that, it'd be fun? If you bring that controller back, we might be able to get it fixed in time. But um, I'm bringing the controller back. So I'll bring it. Uh, yeah. Is there a small one we can get for it? I don't know. You mean like a, I'm meaning just like bring the little thing <clears throat> and like bring the LED board so that we could just do like competitions in like the VIP booth or something. Yeah. Be cool. Oh That's what I was goodness. thinking. It'd be fun if you set up like five on five teams, you know, kind of like oh. a, like <laughs> flippy cup, you know, and then and then if you win, like you get to give a shot to anybody on the other team. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's a horrible idea. And then the, and if the other team wins, they can give a shot to you. It's like last man standing. But yeah, that could get a little hairy. <laughs> last man standing drinking well, game. We I think this is this. going. We've yeah, talked about the simulators direction. in the past. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff, and every time it comes down to, ah, uh, no, that deal is kind of a shit show. We just we'll just let everybody drink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll just we'll just go with that. Instead. Steve Gonzalez yeah. asks, uh, so is Ron starting his own team? Yeah, um, I don't. He hasn't really announced his ultimate plans, but yeah, from what I understand, he's going to. He floating. sounds he sounds stoked <clears throat> about it. He which does is sound great. stoked. I mean, about that, it, that's uncharted waters, and. Uh, got to be nerve wracking in a way, but to have the support, it's kind of like once you make that leap, now he's feeling the support from everyone and, and, you know, going to be able to do possibly more than he even expected. So See, guys like Ron, I mean, are just liking this idea. Yeah. <laughs> See, I want in Mark. Oh, yeah. Let's in. get a list. No yeah. it. <laughs> oh, dude. How about, uh, and I got to give a, a, a little bit of a personal shout out to Mark Caruso, man. Mark and I have been buddies for a long time, but like we've gotten really close um, here in the last couple of years. And I'm, he really. I'm providing my own Tito's right now, Mark. And I. That means he owes you. I expect that to be the case next week. When I come it's uh, Mark really put together this deal with Titan Racing Engines. Uh, Titan will be supplying power to Camry, his daughter, in her uh, foray into pro stock next year. It's a cool thing. They're on the come up. They're trying to be aggressive. They're trying to grow. And he pitched this idea to me about what about having Titan sponsor the party? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Do you think that that's a reality? The next thing I know, we're having a meeting. Myself, Eric Latino, Mark, um, and Chris Clark. And within a few deal days, it's a done deal, man. It's uh Super appreciative, Mark and Chris and Eric and everybody at Titan Camry. Uh, I, I'm genuinely excited about this deal to have an industry inside the industry partner, right? Dodge has been a fantastic partner, and it's cool to have Drag Illustrated aligned with Dodge, and that was a great relationship. Um, but I'm looking at this it's as going. Still, these are still, our guys, man. These are like real deal Dodge. hardcore racers. Yeah, man. We've got we got other stuff cooking with Dodge right now. I'm excited. Um, I mean, dude, they're 
I think Dodge is doing more in the sport of drag racing right now than anybody alive. Yeah, absolutely. Than any major. I mean, we any, just got to work back into these live event type deals and yeah, parties post COVID and everything. But yeah, looking forward to uh Titan. I'm looking forward to seeing what they got going on over there. You're going over there next week, right? Yeah. yeah a lot of stuff event. going on here in Mooresville, here in the greater Charlotte race metroplex. <laughs> I wonder what do you think uh, we should ask him this. I wonder what Ron Caps will do as far as like, do you think that Don Schumacher racing in Brownsburg, have y'all seen that facility? Have you been in there? Yeah. Been there. Okay. It's bonkers. I mean, it's completely, it's hard to even believe it exists. Um, that whole area, Nitro yeah, Alley, they call is it. Just, is there anything there besides? Starbucks, bro. There's a yeah. decent comfort in and sweets uh, there. There's an Arby's there. There's an Arby's there that brings the heat. JT, you and I cleaned this place out one night. I don't know if you remember this. What do you guys think about Arby's vodka? Have you seen this? Arby's is making – oh, T left. Uh, he's mentioned Arby's, and dude, he's, he's probably going to Arby's right now. He yeah, probably he, is. He probably heard me say Arby's. See Arby's run. Yeah, he's they're making the uh, curly fries flavored. I guess potato based vodka. Yeah. No, no, I'm not shitting you, dude. Look it up. I'm googling it right now because I think you're full of shit. I'm not looking at Arby's. It was on Barstool. Vodka. Go to Barstool. Oh, it's real. It is Arby'sVodka.com. I no. mean, they went all in on this, bro. I'm actually buying some. I'm a curly fry guy, you know. Nobody I mean, asked for this, but here's Arby's with yeah, with curly fry vodka. And you know this stuff will be available like in every liquor store on the planet Earth. They won't play. Yeah, the show might end early now that I mentioned seventeen. Arby's. Oh, dude, it's being launched tomorrow. <laughs> Arby's vodka coming soon. Seventeen hours. Let's get a. We need to get like some sort of clock on the wall. Just ticking down <laughs> until the the very millisecond that curly fry flavored vodka is available. They're doing two flavors, Mike: crinkle fry and curly fry. No, which the crinkle fry won't sell. Explain to me the difference. Uh, this kind of sounds like crispy crowns and tater tots. The big debate for Monday. Well, I think crinkle cut fries are. I mean, hey, listen, man, have you been to a concession stand? Oh, like, crinkle uh, cut fries. Crinkle no, cut. Count me like out, the, man. I'm out on crinkle cut. My wife likes them. Too no. thick. Too Way much too potato, thick. not much enough potato. grease and friedness. Too much potato. Is JT froze up or just staring intensely? I don't know. At JT has entered like a new dimension. Me? Yeah, we can hear yeah. you now. You're kind of coming and going. Are you? You're not a. Well, no, JT is a crinkle cut guy. I oh, am, man. We've had this yeah. conversation. I remember. I'm an any fry guy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, Alicia yeah. says there's no debate between crinkle and curly. Surely she's leaning towards you, curly. No, I'm a curly, curly fry. Curly guy. is number one. Seasoned curly fry, McDonald's curly fries. fries, McDonald's fries. You just can't hate on McDonald's fries when they're hot and good. I they mean, might be they got the best quarter. French fry on the planet. You know what else is good is, um, oh my God, Alicia just said crinkle all the way. Ugh. Listen, crinkle cut fries are fine, but you just got to cook the just, crap out of them. You just eat mashed potatoes. Them. Just eat mashed potatoes. Same thing. All good. Oh, no, not if they're, not if they're nice, nice and crispy. Just yeah, eat mashed crazy, potatoes, man. Oh my gosh. What did, did we have any good questions in the comments? I looked up at the comment notification. There was 196. Um, so I don't know how much I've missed. Is there anything that you guys particularly feel like we should cover? Well, I wanted to, we were talking about Ron Caps, and I just think that it's cool to hear his enthusiasm on, on building his own team, talking about the nitro uh, or nostalgia deal being a farm league for nitro funny car. That is 
a phenomenal idea. It and the is, fact dude. that is the, the driving is so similar, I think leads to that. Like you said, top alcohol dragster for, uh, for top fuel. I would love to see more of that. And I think as we see more guys like Ron Caps come into an ownership position, we will see more of that being bounced around. Just, you know, putting those guys with those kinds of ideas, nothing against Don Schumacher or these other people that are in, in a position, but Don Schumacher's out there running a business. He's got a lot of things to worry about. That is not on his radar, but it is on Ron's radar for better or for worse. And so I think that that's exciting. Uh, and all these guys that we had on here today are just, you know, diehard guys that have been about it. Even even Torrance, I think if, if someone wants to say that, oh, Torrance doesn't tear down the motor on his car or whatever, but was Steve not like one of the first uh, junior dragster racers or whatever with that whole group of people like Erica and Langdon and the whole deal? Like he's he's been in the sport for a long time, been involved in it, cares about it. Matt Smith, second generation racer. Uh, Greg Anderson has done it all in pro stock before he even stepped into uh, driving a car. You've got Ron Caps, who's who we talked about being long overdue for his first championship and has fought the good fight for so long. Yeah, a lot of these guys, again, if they rise to the top because they've been doing it for so long and are so experienced. Um, Cool to see. Really cool. Do you think, what do you think? I loved him talking about nostalgia nitro race and I loved him talking about fuel alters. Those that know me closely know that like to, in fairness, fuel alters may have been my first love in drag racing, even before pro mods. I just, I I've got a thing for the Nanook fuel altered rat trap. All those cars just are stuck. They're a big part of uh, my, my youth. I'm curious. uh, What did you make? What do you make of this? Billy Carroll? He's, Shout out to Billy Carroll, watching along on YouTube and always giving us fantastic uh, thoughts and feelings here. They should have a throwback weekend and run Nostalgia Bodies. I agree. What, why, why doesn't that happen? I mean, don't they mandate Cost. it in NASCAR? Don't they make them run a throwback paint scheme? Like, they make them I remember run a turning on TV. Scheme, but not body. Yeah, I mean, I remember turning on so, I mean, TV one time. Jeff Gordon was wearing like a yeah. 70s, you know, like oh, every week, coat. Every year in Darlington, they have yeah. the throwback race, yeah. Because that would be like something like that, I think, would go over really well in our sport. And like maybe not switch bodies, but just do a vintage rap or do pay tribute to somebody, especially so with this. It's so funny. It's it's like on the teams that do it. You see them yeah. doing it at Halloween. Like yeah. how many like how many uh, raps have we seen at Halloween in Vegas for for that whole theme? NHRA doesn't mandate it, but those teams go out of their way to do it. Uh, you've got things like the the. Uh, um, Stampede of Speed in Texas. We got rave reviews today from Matt Smith about that, and all I was, the drivers. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I was very glad. It's to on the that. track to do it. NHRA, and I totally get their position because it's such a dance as it is. But they almost need to mandate more things like that. They mandated it. We'd see more of it. We would. Be, there'd be a lot it, of though. you know. There'd like, be a lot of screaming. There's a lot of uh, screaming and crying about it, but. Um, yeah, who's going to pay for it? For, it's just the the nature of the beast. The budgets are so tight. These guys are barely able to out there. But don't you think that this is like anyway? one of those things where if you're being honest, you got to spend money to make money. Right. I mean, this could be like for a sport that what's is a, historically $3,000 wrap when you're yeah, who this cares, far man. Into I mean, if you're this deal. far into the deal, a three or $5,000 wrap shouldn't scare you off. And secondly, for a sport that is like stuck in the past, as you can find, I mean, this is a group of people who cannot wait 
to talk about some shit that happened 30 years ago. I mean, can't <laughs> wait. Stay up at night trying to talk about stuff that happened. You know, can't wait to talk about something that happened 40, 50, 60 years ago. Every time I turn around, it's another NHRA blast from the past and this blast from the past. And everybody wants to talk about things that have already happened. So why not like do that when it serves us? Because you may be able to attract some new fans, bring some older fans back. You may be able to peak. I think about things of like, a, we were just talking to Ron Caps about the television numbers, right? Maybe somebody's thumbing through the channels that's a CEO or a C-level guy at some huge company, Nabisco, right? Jack Link's Beef Jerky. And they see a funny car that's wrapped, you know, like Jungle Jim's car that they remember watching at Yorktown Dragway when they were a kid. And the next thing you know, phone rings and we're sponsoring that company nabisco jack links beef jerky's sponsoring that car i mean i think right. that you have to think about you may tug at some heartstrings it brings some people back to the sport pique the interest of some people that are you know 50 67 years old in, in decision making check writing or positions in the their 90s or 2000s yeah, what if you did like a copenhagen a, car would be well received Oakland car let's do a yeah. scotty cannon throwback theme or do a, a wwf car We've had some cool sponsors in the sport. You know, Kevin like Fisher asked, would the sponsors go for a throwback rap? I don't think there's enough sponsors not to like, I don't think there's enough companies to no, I don't think they would. I don't think they'd push back. I think they would well, let's go talk for about, it. Let's talk about something cool that we saw. I see a comment about it up here. How about the Supra? Body, oh yeah, I got pictures. Toyota Hold on. Super body. I brought I got pictures. Two seconds. I gotta I gotta admit, I actually had a beat on this months ago. Because thanks for sharing. Yeah, the company here based out of Charlotte that I've worked with a lot. Have uh, you seen doing, this T doing graphics and raps actually did this and I saw pictures of this and I was under a complete uh NDA on this, but I was like, that is sick. It looks awesome. I think it looks phenomenal, to be honest with you guys. I'm actually gonna bring it back up here. Can I do it like this? Is this no, that didn't work. I wonder if there's a way we need to be able to bring because up the like car. It's not only uh, it's not only just decals on a flat body or just you know yeah. the same body with different headlights and and graphics on it. The body's scalloped and shaped and and meant to look the way the roof does the hard you know drop back and it's got the the tall. Hold on, I got another picture. Hold on, I got another one. The front. I mean, it's actually a really good looking car. Yeah. Like. I think they did a it phenomenal really job. When I saw it, I was like, this is going to, everyone's going to be a fan of this. Because we've seen this before. Oh, it's the new Charger or whatever is the new uh, Camaro. Yeah, it's and just they like, all look the same. Are you kidding me? But but to see something di dramatically different like this, and I guess it, it passed the wind tunnel test and is competitive with the other bodies. I know that's a huge thing in funny cars. Like these guys can't just give up aerodynamics here you go t because it looks cool so you this must... that thing looks i mean yeah. and shout out to toyota do we know anyone at toyota like it feels like we should be high-fiving yeah, some we folks know there a few people over there uh, because this is a big deal man to see them invest at this level in the sport of drag racing feels like a real home run makes me and looking at that supra if you go back to the shot of the supra uh, supras are growing on me i would love to see those cars either end up in pro stock or this new factory experimental, preferably pro stock, because that's something we haven't talked about. And I want to tell everybody, we're going to have NHRA, uh, one of the NHRA tech team members, Matt Plotkin is going to join us next week. He cool. and Lonnie Grimm, 
were, were intimately involved in the creation of this new NHRA eliminator known as Factory Experimental. It'll be uh, class designation AFX. Shout out, you know, a little bit of a blast from the past. Super excited about this deal. However, it's not lost on me, and I'm going to have this conversation with Matt next week on the show, that Greg Anderson talked about it here today. I do have a little bit of concern. Like, as excited as I am about something new, things are pretty good right now, and I'm very feel fearful of screwing them up. JT, you're muted. <laughs> there you go. What do you say, struggling. Ever since I mentioned Arby's Vodka, dude is just... I know, man. My like something happened with my microphone, but no, yeah, he just, you know, and he mentioned for anybody that wasn't on then that they just got everything kind of going good over here, you know, like, you know, haven't had time to look at it, but but I don't want to hurt hurt what we got going that's good. It genuinely concerns me because I don't think we can have it let any of our enthusiasm or momentum escape, right? Like it it it's uh it doesn't take much, you know what I'm saying? Like we've got yeah. a lot of momentum. It it's without saying it goes without saying. NHRA Pro Stock's the healthiest class they have, no question. I mean, don't get me wrong. Caps made a good point. The the Pro Funny Car has been stout for for a while now, and Top Fuel is stout in its own way. We may not have 20 cars, but we got 10 or 12 or maybe a little bit more really badass cars. But when you look about event, event, excuse me, event after event, race after race, the last few years, Pro Stock has stolen the show, be it car count, all these different rivalries we've seen, uh, these new up and coming drivers. I mean, a lot of the coolest shit happening in the sport of drag racing is happening inside of NHRA Pro Stock. When people see the new cover of Drag Illustrated, I think they're going to lose their mind. And we wouldn't have that cover without Pro Stock right now. Right. Right. So. Man, it does seem like terrifying these, at the bare minimum to do anything that would detract from that. And these rivalries, I mean, that's what that's what builds. I mean, in, in each class almost needs these rivalries, right? Like this team against this team. And I don't care how many cars you got, but, uh, you know, even even if they're cordial to each other off the track, you know, when when you hit the track, though, you know, we're out for blood against that other team, period. And and man, I think that's what makes that's it so exciting to watch pro stock right now. What do you think about JT as a, I like using JT as um, like a barometer sometimes uh, because he's, he's been obviously a part of the team here at drag illustrated for like a decade, (laughs) but I mean, he's probably the freshest face in our camp when it comes to like drag racing fandom. You know what I mean? And one of the things that JT would always tell me that made him like out radial versus the world or pro 275 or whatever x275 always been a big fan of x275 i think it's mainly because he's like besties with dean marinas but it's also because (laughs) the cars look like cars right yeah how much of a difference i mean do you think it detracts from pro stock right now personally i don't know that i can totally get on board with that argument because i would enjoy watching people like you know eric enders and greg anderson compete at pretty much anything because i think they're interesting characters they're interesting people and fierce competitors i don't know that i would be more interested i've asked myself this and let's go around the room i've asked myself would i care more about what they would they were doing if they were in steel-bodied cars i don't know that it would matter to me no i don't think that matters to, to to me personally i mean i like the rivalry um i like grudge racing you know um we don't even see the clocks on those things, you know, but, but I like everybody down the line arguing and, and going back and forth and, and just, just rivalries in general. And, and man, just people wanting to win and showing, you know, just putting it all out there basically, 
you know, I mean, so it's more about, it's, it's not all about just the cars on the track. You're saying it's all the other stuff. It is. It's that too. Yeah. And I think that radio, like radio racing, when we first started watching it, you know, it, it was a little bit about the cars. Like, it's awesome that you could walk. I mean, it's awesome about the cars, but yeah, back then, uh, you know, it's not like relatable to me, but here, here's a thought. And now granted out radio versus the world is an interesting thing. Uh, because the cars have gotten away from looking like cars. But don't you think the biggest, like if you measure interest and, and uh, popularity and interest of radio versus the world today versus five, six, seven years ago, I don't think it's, I don't think that the change is because of how the cars look. I think it's more that Keith Barry's not there. Stevie Jackson's not you there. Lost the characters. We've lost the characters. I think it's right? both. That's actually both. Both. And yeah. just I mean, it's a little co- bit of just both. the cost of doing it too. Right. Yeah, for sure. But I do think that the enthusiasm surrounding it has more to do. Like if I if there was two things, is it because the cars don't look like cars anymore and they're mainly pro mods? Uh, or is it because there's not as many characters there and superstar characters personalities? Sure, cause, I, cause think it, they I think it's it skews they a, towards characters. They had a hell of a hell of a uh, crew back then, you know, that was in that. I mean, I mean, God, Brad Edwards is on the internet on arguing, the internet. and Dwayne yeah. Mills, oh, and badass. I mean, it really was. I mean, you and there waste was a, half an afternoon just reading through the comment section section yeah. or something. You know, I mean, thirty second. Remember the first three second run? Oh, oh all yeah, that debacle, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And I think that that moment. That moment likely happens, I mean, excuse me, that moment happens no matter what, but I think it was interesting because of all the people that were involved in it. I don't think it has that much to do, I mean, it does have something to do with the cars. Brad Edwards being the first in the threes was significant specifically because that was like a real deal stock suspension SN95 Ford Mustang. I mean, it was like a legit real car and it had just made this historic pass. I mean, it was a, it was a huge moment. The car had a lot to do with it, but I just think that the characters have as much, if not more, let's uh, switch gears here so we can plow through as much of this as we possibly can. Drag race central drag racing central on YouTube asks everyone complains about fuel super teams, but isn't elite and KB the super teams in pro stock? Absolutely. But I think the approach has been so different And Greg Anderson. I don't know if you heard Greg's interview, but he really outlined it that they had a, a group conversation that, hey, we're going to have to put our best engine in someone else's car. Like, that's the way, the only way this is going to work and grow is because of that. And I don't think that's happening in nitro racing. Do you agree, Mike? I mean, is and that... It's more of a... It's, it's still more every man for himself. You know, when Aaron Stanfield comes up there, he's got his own backers. He's got his own, like, program. Or these guys like Aaron Strong or Bo Butner or whoever else ran a part-time schedule, you don't see that really in Don Schumacher or John Force. They're all in. They're all back to like the same perceived level sponsor-wise, and they're running the full series. In in Richard's deal, it's more like it's almost like he's a vendor or he's like a he's like a retailer and he's open for business. And if you need something that day, come and see him and he'll yeah. get you set up on a ride. It's it's a different deal between oh, and they said they were and, and KB is kind of the same way too. I don't know. I'd have to. Uh, That's what he it, said. He it, said that they were they were leasing cars and, and yeah. engines and, and everything. You know, dirt cheap. You right. know, just to get people to come run. And I mean, it's it's that story. Yeah, that that, that, that story approach was really the same awesome. between Elite yeah. and. But I guess KB. I think all of their guys ran the full season. Anyone that's under the KB. Well, I mean, in, in Dallas Glenn, if you remember, what a story we're going to look back on this as something truly special because I think 
if I remember correctly, he was going to run our race in Orlando. He was going to run like Gainesville. It was like he was going to run four races. It kind of did really well. Like and then it became pray Yeah. Four races. Then it became eight races. Then it became, hey, we could win a world championship. And then he's doing the full pull. So it was a really special thing, to be honest with you guys. Um, JT, check this out. We'll have to look this up next time we're in Orlando. When you come back to Orlando, you have to hit this place. You'll never go to an Arby's again. Beefyking.com. Oh, boy. I'm in on Beefy oh. King. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. Man, sounds Keep good. that up, JT. Man. I'm in on Beefy King. Guys, we've had a hell of a show, uh, almost three and a half hours on the World Wide Web, and we couldn't do it without all of you guys. Thank you so much for being here, for tuning in. Please click like, click, click share, click subscribe. Tell somebody about the show. Tell somebody that you heard Ron Cap say something cool or you heard uh, – uh, Steve Torrance kind of let it all hang out here today. I mean, we've had an incredible show, and it takes all of you to help us spread it around and make sure it's uh, as significant as we believe it is and we want it to be. Guys, what's the backstory about going to Elite? What's that one about? Who's who's going to Elite? Stan, I mean, I think he's talking about Butner. Um, oh, yeah, Pete Ross says, Bo Butner in Elite 2021. Uh, guys, what's the backstory about? I don't know that there really is a backstory. I actually went on vacation a few years ago with Bo Butner and uh, Richard Freeman and the whole camp. We went to the Cayman Islands. And they're just friends. I mean, they're like genuinely friends away from racing. And I think that Bo stepped away from racing and then got away a little bit, did his own thing, did some bracket racing at a high level, sold some merch uh, and realized, you know what? I missed that a little bit. I want to be back in the thick of things. And whenever that popped into his head, he he gave Richard a shot at it. And the next thing you know, they've got a deal made. So uh, I think that that's going to be a, a really fun one to watch. Bo's a character, man. He's a guy we need out here. He's hilarious. He's an incredible race car driver, a fierce competitor. It'll be great to have him back and out. We've seen some guys go from elite to KB and KB to elite as far as leasing these motors and being part of the program. Matt Hartford is one of them. I think it just it just depends where you are with it. It's kind of like, you know, it's good that that competition exists, that you can go choose between the two, I think. So I don't think there's any hard feelings or any 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 issue there. And it's just a matter of uh, maybe cost, maybe idea of how many races you're going to run, whatever the deal is. Had a car ready, you know, like. Yeah, man. Right, car, NHRA Netflix series, I think, is most interesting. I agree with that. Um, I remember an article I wrote for Drag Illustrated probably 10 years ago. And uh, I can't remember all of them, but it was 10 things NHRA must do. And I, I'm quick to rattle off three of them. Uh, I've, I've always said NHRA needs badass toys, a badass video game, and a reality show. Those are like three pillar items that a sport needs to thrive. And I really, 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 uh, I really am excited about the notion of an NHRA reality series. If it was actually- able to get on Netflix and it was able to get on a, a an outlet like that, a platform like that, it literally could overnight. That's well, Ron, how it, it could overnight change the game. Ron said, did he not say Glenn Cromwell mentioned that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I was at Tony Stewart's uh, introductory press conference for his new team, I had more than one NHRA person mention that to me unprovoked, uh, that that's yeah. something that they had taken note of and that they were exploring. So, They're probably uh, just listening to our show every Wednesday. Possibly. We'll fix all this yeah. shit. Yeah. Give us a minute. We'll fix it all. Guys, thank you all so much for being here. JT, Mike, all of our guests, all of our sponsors. Couldn't do it without you. We can't wait to see you next Wednesday. Actually, sooner than that, Monday night for the Drag Illustrated Ride Along. We're still sorting out details on what we're going to do uh, for the tw- 2.4 hours of Le Mullets, uh that uh, are kind of part-time hosts. 
co-host Lyle Barnett and Stevie Fast Jackson are participating this weekend uh, along with Cletus McFarlane and the team down at the Freedom Factory outside of Bradenton, Florida. Um, we'll, we'll let you know about that, but we will be back without question Monday night. JT and I will be together in the same studio, so that'll be fun. I'll be back in Missouri. Uh, so tune in the DI ride along for No Prep King season four Monday nights, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. If uh, we don't see you there, we'll see you Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time for the West Buck Show. Thanks, guys. We'll talk soon. Later. Okay.